in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me as always is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, Bunk Funkers. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast, brother. <laughs> uh, Andy, I don't know what your fascination is with wrestling our listeners. <laughs> always uh, challenge. There's them. nothing... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with two adults wrestling each other until one of them passes out uh, because they're out of breath, they're out of shape, uh, and they co-host a podcast. (laughs) That's right, Bunk Funkers. I want to wrestle you until you knock me out cold. I guarantee I'll lose. It's I'll actually the only the way mat. that uh, you can get a really good night's sleep is if you go out and <laughs> wrestle somebody and they knock you out cold. I have to be completely drained of oxygen to sleep through the night. <laughs> every night I every night I put a vacuum in my mouth and it sucks all the oxygen out of my lungs. And then I fall asleep quietly. And then I don't wake up until morning when my lungs are filled again. Oh, wow. Hey, well, speaking of... Uh, not having any oxygen in your brain. You have to be, you have to have uh, no oxygen in your brain. You have to have been in a friggin' coma or something, Andy, to not know about today's topic. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah I would say so. I mean, if you don't know by now, well, you're going to know by listening today's, to this. Today's topic, Andy, is probably a big one. I, I mean, I think it's, um, and it might be, I don't want to say this, but I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. sure some studious bunk funkers can fact check us on this one. Might be one of the first times we've kind of covered the whole new world order kind of massive conspiracy sort of spiel in a, like, uh, in like a constituted, you know what I'm saying? Concentrated. In a dir- yeah, in a direct head-on right. way. Because you know, talked about New World Order. Yeah, you know, with like Denver things. and a few other right. things. Right, but we've never really like come at the New World Order, and we're doing it today. Oh, we're coming at them hard. And, uh, <laughs> watch out, New World Order. Yeah, you we're going to get your brother. <laughs> NWO, you're going down. I'm going to pass out, and you. there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> And if you can't wait to wrestle with your emotions <laughs> on why you decided to uh, take a listen to the show, but uh, uh, you can uh, 
you can wrestle on over to the um to the show notes. <laughs> yeah. You and- can grapple grapple with the decisions you've made while you wrestle with <laughs> wrestle with the slider on your podcast app to <laughs> jump ahead uh, to the research if you so desire. Yeah. There's a timestamp in the description. It'll take you to when the research starts. <laughs> That's what we're trying to tell you. Yeah. Sorry for trying to cut a promo. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, excuse us. Um. Well, uh, w- you can go ahead and do that if you wish, folks. But uh, but first, Andy and I need to inform you all on where in the world is Mr. Bunker. Now, you all know that every week, typically, for the past year, Mr. Bunker used to abduct Andy and I. He used to ad- abduct us from our homes, take us to his secret underground bunker, where he would force us to podcast. But now... Mm-hmm. Due to quarantine, due to COVID, we're quarantined at home. Mr. Bunker is traveling the world, doing all sorts of crazy hijinks, and he sends us postcards letting us know where he is and what we need to work on that week. Yes. And this week is no uh, different. This this week is no different. You're you're absolutely right, Art. Um we um we Received another postcard this week uh, oh, yeah. from Mr. Bunker, and uh, Mr. Bunker famously, with these uh, postcards, has been uh, sending us uh, basically what the front of the postcard is is a picture of him uh, in the location where he is uh, at the time of the sending, and on the back he's written us um, he's some sort of screed uh, telling us what what to research uh, for the re- week. And what he's been up to. A screed? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, is that like yep. a sneed and feed? <laughs> yeah. Chuck's, <laughs> Chuck's screed and seed. What the fuck is a screed? Uh, it's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like he's, you know, he's, it's his, it's his writing. His, uh, okay. Never his, heard that word message. before. Yeah. It's got like a negative connotation. Oh, okay. Um, so... Uh, he's, uh, this week, this week is no different. Um, yeah, actually, he spilled his screed seed all over the page and then <laughs> yeah. sends it to us. Uh, a little bit of, um, I mean, for me, honestly, looking at the picture, I was a little bit baffled. Um, it's, it's Mr. Bunker on a roller coaster, uh, and he's holding two plushies. Uh, it looks like bears, uh, and they look just shockingly like art and i yeah uh, th- th- these bears and he's riding a roller coaster with them and um it turns out that uh he of all places he's he's in copenhagen denmark he's at uh, tavoli gardens the uh, amusement park uh and it turns out that he was riding uh the roller coaster the demon um <laughs> at tavoli gardens uh which which sounds like a kind of a neat roller coaster. Yeah, uh, like goes up to forty-eight miles an hour. Um, it's a uh, it replaced the uh, Odin Expressen, uh, which closed at the Tivoli Gardens. Uh, oh no, wait, sorry, that's a different one. Um, yeah, it goes it goes fast. It's got three inversions. Ooh, a loop, zero G roll. Um, it's a 
you know, so it sounds nice. Um, but he's riding the roller coaster with these bears. Uh, it turns out that he was going to go to a Bilderberg. He was going to go to the Hotel Bilderberg, uh, which is where the Bilderberg meetings get its name. But he ended up go. He he through a snafu. I can only assume he ended up at a build a bear workshop, uh, <laughs> which there is one at Tivoli gardens in, yeah. in Copenhagen. So he decided to make, uh, make bears of us and he abducted them from the store, which I think means that he stole them from. Yeah. He stole those bears for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what he's doing with the bears when he's not taking pictures with them. Uh, but I have a feeling that it's not savory, uh, activity. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's anything sexual, but I, I just I wonder about the condition of those bears when the next you time worry you about them. They're 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 you know, unfortunately, like so many other build a bears, they didn't get to go home to some happy child where they would be loved <laughs> for all of their lives. Uh, no, they unfortunately were abducted by a strange man uh, yeah. who smells like ravioli. <laughs> and not not like known as ravioli. This no. is like. Chef Boyardee yeah. that's been on top of a radiator for yeah, a while. That slightly metallic-y, acidic-y, tomato-y smell. Yeah, that's yeah. Mr. Bunker. <laughs> that weird beef aroma <laughs> from the middle. It's a little bit sometimes, what, yeah, like, uh, it's very beefy. It's very tomato-y. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. very, very saucy. A saucy yeah. musk. Yeah, he's got a very saucy musk. Um but he yeah. looks like he's having a great time at Tivoli Gardens. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess whatever. I mean, uh, he didn't. You know what he he puts us through so much work. We do so much work and effort for the show, researching the Bilderbergs, and it's like he's like, oh, you know, he was telling us he's like, oh, I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna see what I can get, and then he gets he, sidetracked and he goes to a friggin' Bilderberg. It's like, what the yeah. heck, man? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is the possibility that it wasn't a mistake and that he did this on purpose uh, just because he wanted bears of us. We got duped again. Yeah. Won't get duped again. Yes, we will. <laughs> well, um, Bunkfuckers, that it was Where in the World is Mr. Bunker. If you have a bunker sighting, please let us know. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com or tweet at us at mrbunkerpod or find us on Instagram at mrbunkerpod. And speaking of all those social media uh, platforms there, Andy, uh, we are debuting, uh, well, not debuting, but uh, bringing, I don't know, fuck. It's a reoccurring segment that was new. (laughs) (laughs) It's the bunker alarm. (gasps) (laughs) The bunker alarm is a... uh, us to get, we're giving a shout out back to uh, to some of our bunk funker fans who write in or send us messages or just about anything. You know, we just want to show some appreciation for the people who are um, listening to the show, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it, we we appreciate you. You know, yeah, yeah. We just want to we want to share the love. Now, this week, Andy, this bunk funker, I got to tell you, this is an OG bunk funker. I mean, this is OG. Absolutely. You can't go much farther back. No. This no. funk fucker goes by the name of C's. And uh, I do hope I'm saying that right. I believe I am, but I do hope I'm saying it right. <laughs> because you were on our, you were on the Twitch stream, and I'm pretty sure that's how we say it. But uh, C's, if we didn't get it right, 
I mean, let us know. Yeah, let us know. You can you can fucking call us out. Seas yeah. <laughs> sent us a lovely message over Instagram and has sent us many, many, many messages. Seas has been an OG bunkfucker has says, uh, thank you guys for supplying laughs and as many enchiladas as my body can handle. Can't wait for further meals to be consumed. Um, I literally look forward every week for you guys to post your cast and you were the only podcasters I can actually listen to constantly. Been there since episode four. Oh, episode four, Andy. Good, good, good time to get involved too, C's. I mean, that is literally the beginning of Bunker because um, OG Bunk Bunkers will know this, but Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast launched with its first four episodes. There really mm-hmm. is no episode one. All right. four were launched at the same time. Yeah. Um, so that's literally being here from the beginning. So C's, we're going to sound the bunker alarm for you. Um, Andy. Oh, we, that's it. Okay, here we go. That's Here's it. the bunker alarm. Okay. Okay, here it is. We're going to sync it up. It's going to be perfect. And here's the bunker alarm just for you. Yeah, we'll workshop uh, it. You know <laughs> you know how uh, how deserving C's is of this honor if, if they've joined the Twitch stream. If anybody joined the Twitch stream, that elevates you to a level of bunk funker that's almost incomprehensible that's true um <laughs> we've done a few one-off twitch streams but uh you know what sees we really gotta again we appreciate your support man and we appreciate you sending us um awesome messages like that that means a lot to us and we just appreciate the listenership so that was the bunker alarm wow thank you sees wow. and awesome. um we love you well, Andy, uh, there's another alarm that needs to be... I don't even know if we said it earlier. Today's topic is the Bilderberg Group. <laughs> yeah, did we reveal that? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Uh, you saw the title in the podcast, so you yeah. knew it was coming. We assume you know how to read. I mean, what yeah, the heck? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, unless if you can't read, like if you're like a little kid and you're listening to this show, then honestly, you're fucking Chad in the making because you're listening to <laughs> explicit content that you're not supposed to be listening to. Yeah, <laughs> we specifically forbade you <laughs> from listening to. Now go to bed. Um, now, Andy, the Bilderberg Group, this is a big one. This is a uh, secretive meeting of the world. Well, I should say not the world, mostly North America and Western Europe's. Mm-hmm. Elite. They're rich. They're powerful. Their government. Their their top level CEOs. Their uh, movers and shakers of the yeah. uh, of these worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, and we're talking about their gatherings. Oh, to yes. discuss the the problems of our days. That's right. And um, you know, we're going to uncover what they put out as their history and some of the criticisms and discrepancies with that. Right. right. We're going to, we're going to give you the whole enchilada on the Bilderbergs. So, um, I guess without further ado here, Andy, let's get into our, um, our little private jet plane and we'll, uh, fly over to, uh, to Bunkerberg. Mm, I can't wait. Uh, we're leaving on a jet plane. Gonna go to the Bilderberg meeting. (laughs) Right here, right now on Mr. Booker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Oh my god, it's Chuck Yeager. 
<laughs> He's back. finally made it. Today we're joining the ranks of the power elite. Oh, we've worked so long and so hard for this day. We've sacrificed everything we have. Our blood, our sweat, our tears, all of it. So that we can give Bunk Funkers the whole enchilada. That's right. There's a significant amount of our DNA and bodily fluids in every whole enchilada. And finally, we get our reward a coveted invitation to join the Bilderberg group. Oh, right you are, Andy, my dear, sweet, sweet, sweet co-host. We can finally hop aboard our private jet, fly out to the coast, get on our custom yacht, sail to the Arctic Circle, chip off a few ice cubes off the last glacier, and then sail back to port, hop back in our jets, head out to the latest Bilderberg meeting, with nicely chilled drinks. I know what I'm having. I'm having an iced cold poo air. <laughs> We're both going to be having poo air because if I'm on a private jet, you can bet I'm taking a shit in that airplane bathroom. <laughs> Nothing gets me more excited than taking a dump at cruising altitude and imagining my blue rock hard frozen turd wanging one of my enemies on the dome. Damn, being rich is sick as hell. <laughs> well, Andy. I may be the upper crust of society now, but it's clear you're still crusty. <laughs> yeah, I ain't washed for a while. Bunkfuckers, allow a true person of class and style that is me. Grant you entree into our exclusive world of wealth and power. For an explanation about the Bilderberg meetings, let's consult the source itself, shall we? The official Bilderberg website. That's right. They have a website. Mm -hmm. Now, according to the website, the Bilderberg meetings are, quote, a three-day forum for informal discussions to foster dialogue between Europe and North America, end quote. Now, according to the Bilderbergers themselves, these meetings have no desired outcome. The meetings do not result in any resolutions. There are no votes taken. And the group does not officially support any political party or political point of view. Now, the meetings are further described by the Bilderberg Group thusly, quote, Every year, approximately 130 political leaders and experts from industry, finance, labor, academia, and the media are invited to take part in the meeting. About two-thirds of the participants come from Europe, and the rest come from North America. One-third from politics and government, and the rest from other fields, end quote. Now, sometimes the participants are referred to as the Bilderberg Group, and sometimes they're called the Bilderbergers. And if you go to Denny's, you can build your own burger. So we'll use all of these terms to refer to the meetings and or the people involved. Now, the attendance philosophy of these meetings has been fairly consistent through the uh, whole course of the meetings, which have been going on since, oink, oink, 1954. Wee! Wee! Ooh, baby. The history hog done sniffed himself out a tasty truffle. 
The Bilderberg meetings have happened annually since the very first meeting, which took place from May 29th to 31st, 1954. So far, the group has only missed having a meeting one year, 1976, which we'll get to in a little while in another sweet treat for the history hog. The very first meeting took place at the Hotel de Bilderberg in Oosterbeek, the Netherlands. If you're wondering, yes, the meetings took their name from the hotel. According to the Bilderberg website, the initial meeting was born out of a desire from leaders on both sides of the Atlantic for greater cooperation between Western Europe and North America on issues of common interest. Those early meetings likely included addressing the perceived threats of the Soviet Union and communism in general. As we mentioned, the types of people involved in modern Bilderberg meetings are not is not so different from the original attendees who were representatives from across a variety of fields. The original idea was to bring together one conservative person and one liberal person from each of the participating countries, though the original group had more than just two people from each country. Then, as now, the meetings were designed to be informal exchanges of ideas to help further understanding of major trends impacting Western nations in the post-World War II era. So how did the Bilderberg meetings get underway? Who organized such an event? The initial idea for what became the Bilderberg meetings is typically attributed to Josef Rettinger. Hmm? How's that, Andy? That's, I'm surprised. Frankly. Rettinger was born in Poland, educated in Paris and London, and became a Polish independence activist during the First World War. After the Great War, Rettinger found himself in Mexico and became an economic advisor to the Mexican president. Now, uh, after the Mexican president's ouster, uh, Rettinger moved to London and became involved in with the Polish government in exile, you know, specifically becoming chief advisor to the prime minister. And uh, just a note here, the Polish government was in exile in London because, well, uh, Poland was occupied by Nazi Germany at the time. That's right. Rettinger was asked, or uh, sorry, Rettinger was tasked with meeting with other leaders of governments which were also in exile in London at the time, including Paul uh, Van Zeeland of Belgium, who we'll talk about in a moment. Rettinger was also the architect of the Sikorsky plan, which was an idea for an alliance between Poland and Czechoslovakia initially, and to be followed by a Central European Confederation, including Poland and Czechoslovakia, of course, but also Lithuania, Romania, Hungary, Yugoslavia, and Greece. The purpose was to create a political model for small countries bordering large European powers. Big old honking European powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> swinging their hogs around. Uh, swinging their hogs. The moment eventually, uh, the model eventually was used in forming a confederation between Belgium and the Netherlands. Okay. So, Rendigers had a pretty damn interesting life so far, right? But wait, there's more. At 56 years old, Rettinger parachuted, Rettinger parachuted into Nazi-occupied Poland to meet with the Polish resistance and bring aid. While there, he survived multiple assassination attempts from distrustful uh, resistance fighters. And after the Great Deuce, which, you know, which is what Andy and I sometimes call World War II, mm -hmm. the Great Deuce, right. the Great Deuce. Uh, Rettinger was an advocate for European unification in order to bring about a lasting peace. He even organized the uh, hog. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's 
for everyone out there, it's the Hague uh, Congress, Hague. but I think we should change it to the Hog <laughs> Congress. <laughs> the Hague Congress in 1948, which was a forerunner to the Bilderberg meetings. I just think it's a better name, Hog. Yeah. <laughs> the International Criminal Court at the Hog. <laughs> <laughs> and even the modern-day European Union. Now, Rettinger had the idea to star up the Bilderberg meetings because he was concerned about an anti-American sentiment in Western Europe at the time and wanted to promote Atlanticism, which is the belief in a close relationship between Western Europe and North America, especially the USA. In trying to start up these meetings, Rettinger turned to some of his well-connected friends to help move things along. One of those people was Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands. If you thought Josef Redinger was interesting, get ready to get Bernhard. <laughs> Prince Bernhard was the consort, a.k.a. lover, a.k.a. husband, of Queen Juliana of the Netherlands. Bernhard was born into aristocracy, into the princely German house of Lippe. After marrying Juliana, Bernhard became popular in the Netherlands during the Great Deuce, acting as an aide to Juliana's mother, who was queen at the time, Queen Wilhelmina. Bernhard was also a fighter and bomber pilot, a Dutch general, and even supreme commander of the Dutch armed forces. Fun fact, though, before the war, he was a member of the Nazi party. You better believe that's going to come up later. At any rate, Bernhard had a wild personal life, which included multiple mistresses and illegitimate children. As far as the Bilderberg meetings, Bernhard was on was on board with Redinger's idea and even got the USA involved in the conversation. Bernhard contacted Walter Bettel Smith, who was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, or CIA at the time. Bunk funkers, I know what you're thinking. We're all thinking it. The CIA was involved. <laughs> my conspiracy sense is tingling. <laughs> and so is the left side of my body. Either there's conspiracy afoot, or I'm having another heart attack. <laughs> but let's hold on for a second, Bunk Funkers. There's a bit of a twist to this one. <laughs> Apparently, Smith didn't want to deal with the Bilderberg meetings, so he passed it on to one of President Eisenhower's advisors, Charles Douglas Jackson. Now, that's not to say that the CIA didn't maintain an interest in the American participants of the meetings and the topics discussed, which it did. At any rate... Charles Douglas Jackson was an expert in psychological warfare who was actually Eisenhower's presidential advisor on psychological warfare even. Now, near the end of World War II, Jackson was the deputy chief of the Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force Psychological Warfare Division. So Jackson was helping Ike with psychological warfare even before the presidency. Aside from all this, Jackson was also the president of the Anti-Communist Free Europe Committee, uh, Jackson was instrumental in getting Americans involved in Bilderberg and was himself an attendee at many meetings in the 1950s and 60s. Now, getting back to Prince Bernhard. Bernhard became the first chairman of the Bilderberg meetings, a role in which he served until 1976. He had to drop out of the Bilderberg meetings completely in 1976 because of, surprise, surprise, a scandal. It was discovered that Bernhard solicited a bribe in excess of $1 million dollars from Lockheed, the defense manufacturer, uh, for the Dutch military to purchase fighter planes. The Lockheed scandal, as the affair became known, also forced Bernhard to drop out of the World Wildlife Fund, which he also helped found. Bernhard later claimed that the money he got from Lockheed went into the WWF, the Wildlife Fund. 
not the wrestling company. Damn, sleeping around, soliciting bribes, and providing uh, for the preservation of wildlife? I tell you what, Andy, Bernhard might have only been the prince of the Netherlands, but he was friggin' king of the chads. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> now, Josef Rettinger also reached out to Paul Van Zeeland, and we told you he'd come back. As we mentioned, Rettinger and Van Zeeland became uh, acquainted while working for their respective governments in exile. Van Zeeland was the Belgian prime minister in the mid-1930s and enacted progressive social reforms during his tenure. While in London during the Nazi occupation of Belgium, Van Zeeland was the high commissioner for rep, uh, rep, uh, boy. repatriation repatriation of displaced Belgians. Now, after the war, Van Zeeland was a founder of the European League for Economic Cooperation and an advisor for multiple Belgian governments, as well as NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Now, if you're not familiar with NATO, it's basically a defensive alliance between European and Northern American countries, which came into existence not long after the Great Deuce ended. In the Bilderberg meetings, Van Zeeland became the Honorary Secretary General. Aside from these three, Dutch businessman Paul Rikens was also a founder. Uh, Reckons was the former chairman of Unilever, the company that now manufactures the Axe line of products, such as Axe Body Spray. Uh, Axe products are the only grooming products Art and I will even consider using. That's right. I got wolf semen on my pits right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wolf semen. One of my favorite scents of Axe. Oh, yeah. Um, with all that said, I think it's time to bid adieu to the history hog. Oink, oink. And say bonjour to the modernity mandrel. <laughs> so let's get back to the current day and talk about how the Bilderberg meetings are run today, as well as some of the content. First and foremost, the meetings operate under the Chatham House rule, named after the UK Royal Institute of International Affairs headquarters, which was located at Chatham House in London, uh, where the rule was developed in 1927. Here's how the Bilderberg website describes the rule. Quote, the meetings are held under the Chatham House rule, which states that participants are free to use the information received, but neither the identity nor the affiliation of the speaker or speakers, nor of any other participant may be revealed, end quote. Uh, minutes are taken at the meetings, but minutes are private property of the Bilderbergers and not made public, though some have been leaked in the past. Let's face it. The original founders of the Bilderberg meetings are dead by now. Who's running things these days? Well, we'll tell you, Bunkfunkers. The Bilderberg meetings are organized by the Foundation Bilderberg Meetings. The foundation is governed by a steering committee. Members of the steering committee are elected to four-year terms and can be re-elected at the end of their term. The steering committee designates a chair or co-chairs. The chair or co-chairs have the responsibility of leading the steering committee and, along with the committee members, preparing the meeting's program and selecting participants. An important note here, participation in the Bilderberg meetings is strictly by invitation only. So when can you expect your invitation? It depends on the steering committee. Here's what the official Bilderberg website says about the process. Quote, participation is for invitees only as curated by the steering committee from leaders who distinguish themselves in the areas of government business, technology, labor, and academia, end quote. So, I mean, just distinguish yourself to the steering committee and you're good to go. 
Of course, that leads one to wonder, who serves on the steering committee? If you're going to get one of these sweet, sweet invites, you have to know to whom you show off your distinctions in various fields. <laughs> you got to. The current steering committee has lots of prominent people, as you might expect, but not what we consider necessarily household names. There are lots of corporate presidents and CEOs. One interesting member is John Sawyers, who was the former head of the British Secret Intelligence Service, MI6. You know, James Bond's employers. James Bond's employer. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Uh, the steering committee has had some other interesting members serve in the past, such as ketchup and baked bean heir Jack Hines, who was the grandson of H.J. Hines, the Hines founder. Uh, Jack Hines is also the father of John Hines, a former U.S. senator and U.S. representative. Uh, diplomat in the administrations of U.S. Presidents Carter, Clinton, and Obama, Richard Holbrook. Former U.S. Secretary of State and National Security Advisor Henry Kissinger, who is a very prominent longtime participant of the meetings. Former News Corp director who was once considered Rupert Murdoch's successor and who is also a former board member for the Rothschild Investment Trust, Andrew Knight. Member of the French branch of the actual Rothschild family, Edmund Adolphe de Rothschild. And diplomat and Defense Department agent across the administrations of U.S. Presidents Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush, who is also a prominent neoconservative wonk, Paul Wolfowitz. Now, the Bilderberg Group has a small office, the cost of which, according to the official Bilderberg website, is covered by annual contributions made by steering committee members. The steering committee members also help to cover the costs of hosting the annual meetings. Now, while the steering committee chips in, the remainder of the costs fall to the host country. In order to cover the costs, most countries solicit donations from corporations. For example, some meetings in the USA have been funded by the Ford Foundation, including the very first meeting held in the USA at St. Simmons Island, Georgia, in 1957. Now, we know about the governments and how people are selected to attend. Let's get into the meat. And talk about how they actually discuss what they actually discuss at these things and who gets to attend. Now, let's go to the meeting in 2019, last year, according at the time of this recording. <laughs> yeah. Which was held from May 30th to June 2nd in Montreux. Montreux. Yeah, Montreux. Yeah. Yeah, Switzerland. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Come at me. Uh, here are the topics that were discussed. One, a stable tr strategic order. Two, what's next for Europe? Three, climate change and sustainability. Four, China. Five, Russia. Six, the future of capitalism. Seven, Brexit. Eight, the <laughs> ethics of... <laughs> Eight, the ethics of artificial intelligence. Nine, the weaponization of social media. Ten, the importance of space. And eleven, cyber threats. Brexit. Attendees... What was that? Brexit. <laughs> Brexit. Um, attendees of 2019 uh, meetings were, again, lots of corporate presidents and CEOs who, you know, aren't necessarily household names. There were some more interesting and possibly some uh, more well-known attendees, such as former U.S. Treasure Treasury Secretary in the Reagan administration, former U.S. Secretary of State in the Bush Senior Administration, chief legal advisor to Bush Jr., during the hotly contested 2000 election <laughs> process. Oh, baby. Oh, it was sexy. <laughs> Former senior counsel at the Carlisle Group. Jeez Louise. 
an advisor to Bush Jr. on, a, on Iraq after the U.S. invasion, James Baker. Woo! Woo! Baker, by the way, was allegedly at the Carlyle Group conference on 9-11 watching coverage of the attack with members of the Bin Laden family. Check out our episodes on 9-11 for more about that. Yeah. Uh, another prominent member, Henry Kissinger, of course. Uh, he's a staple. Um, senior advisor to U.S. President Trump and the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Uh, president of the European Commission and former longtime Angela Merkel, or Angela Merkel, uh, cabinet member, including Minister of Defense Ursula von der Leyen. Um, former CIA director and longtime U.S. Army general, including holding posts as commander of USENTCOM, commander of multinational forces in Iraq, and commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan, David Petraeus. Now, Petraeus, you might recall, had to resign as CIA director because he was having an affair and was charged with giving his mistress classified information and uh, as well as his uh, classified hug, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, Petraeus, anywho, uh, Petraeus eventually pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor, which I'm pretty sure was also his nickname for his mistress. Am I right? <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Adultery ruins family lives. Don't do it. Um, NATO Secretary General (laughs) NATO Secretary General and former Prime Minister of Norway, uh, Jen Stoltenberg, and King of the Netherlands, and King of my nether regions. Oh, wow. What a hunk. (laughs) Willem Alexander Klaus George Ferdinand. Very and last, but certainly not least from our perspective, Nick Bostrom, the philosopher who was famously referenced in our um, simulation theory episode, which was episode four of this of this fine show. Check it out. It's hard to say if Nick Bostrom would have been invited to the Bilderberg meetings in 2019, you know, without the famous bunker bump that he got from us covering his topic. But, uh, you know. We have to assume that being uh, mentioned by us directly led to his invitation to the meeting. I mean, come on. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the agenda and the guest list for recent meeting. You kind of get the idea about who attends the Bilderberg meetings at this point. But it's worth mentioning other topics from different meetings to get a taste for that as well. Here's a sample uh, from 2018. U.S. world leadership. Russia. Popular topic. Quantum computing. Saudi Arabia and Iran, the post-truth world from 2017, the Trump administration, a progress report, the direction of the EU. Can globalization be slowed down? The war on information. Why is populism growing? Russia in the international order, the Near East, nuclear proliferation, China from 2016, Precariat and middle class. From 2014, the new architecture of the Middle East. 2012, what can the West do about Iran? And from all the way back in 1956, the causes of the growth of anti-Western blocs, in particular in the United Nations, the role played by anti-colonialism in relations between Asians and the West a common approach by the Western world towards China and the emergent nations of South and East Asia, 
the communist campaign for political subversion or control of the newly emancipated countries of Asia. It's also worth mentioning how the meetings run. Uh, because of the secrecy around the meetings, it's hard to say with exact certainty if the meetings today operate this way. That said, in 2010, former Secretary General of NATO, Willy Klaas, gave a radio interview about the 1994 Bilderberg meeting, which he attended. According to Klaas, each session, a session covers one of the topics on the agenda, each session has a speaker running, running that session. Klaus said the speaker was either Henry Kissinger or the Bilderberg chairman at the time, Etienne d'Avignon. The speaker talks about the topic for 10 minutes, which is followed by a group discussion during which the speaker takes notes and attempts to come up with a consensus opinion for the group. So what gives, Andy? I mean, what's the conspiracy here? It's a bunch of the world's rich elite meeting in a secret place. I'm sure not seeing anything suspicious. <laughs> right, you are. <sighs> Seriously, though, bunk funkers, you can probably guess what kind of conspiracy theories exist about the Bilderberg meetings. But hey, we're not going to make you guess. We're going to give you the whole enchilada. Now, theories about the Bilderberger activities typically fall into the category of, you know, shadow world government or, you know, like a new world order. Uh, theories surrounding the group are so prevalent that the Bilderberg website even addresses conspiracies with the following statement, quote, the Bilderberg meetings have often been the target of anti-globalization protests and various conspiracy theorists have examined or have expressed rather wild allegations about the purpose of the gatherings. While these claims lack any and all merit, we regret to see that many continue to flourish online and in social media groups, end quotes. Now, when the meetings originally started, theorists in the USA uh, speculated that the Bilderbergers were working to implement socialism in the United States, despite the uh, pretty clear anti-communist beginnings of the group. Uh, funny enough, European theorists tend to see the Bilderbergers as free market proponents advocating for more right-wing policies. Uh, an early uh, prominent Bilderberger, Bilderberger, Burger, Burger attacker in the U.S. was uh, Phyllis Schlafly. 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 Fuck. <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly. <laughs> gave that a very European flair, though. I like that. Schlafly. Schlafly. <laughs> Schlafly. And uh, if you don't know who Phyllis Schlafly is, um, she was a very conservative political activist who campaigned against. That's right, against women's rights, and successfully led a campaign against ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment to the U.S. Constitution in the 1970s. Now, in Schaffley's, uh, Schaffley's book, uh, 1964 book, A Choice, Not an Echo, she makes the claim that so-called, quote-unquote, kingmakers were pulling the strings of the Republican Party in the USA and keeping true conservatives like Barry Goldwater from leading the party. Shafley uh, claimed the Republican kingmakers were led by the Bilderbergers. Goldwater, on the other hand, was totally free from Bilderberg influence. But it's not all Republican Party collusion bunk funkers. No, no. There are plenty of conspiracies to go around. The 1955 Bilderberg meeting discussed a possible merger of the USA, Canada, and Mexico into a North American Union, similar to what exists today in Europe with the European Union. There's also been speculation about the group's ties to Nazis, thanks to Prince Bernhard's pre-war Nazi affiliation. 
The meetings have been accused of fostering market manipulation. Leaked minutes from the 1973 meeting, which was attended by plenty of oil CEOs, show the group discussed a 400% increase in oil prices. The Bilderbergers get accused of having a large influence on oil prices generally because oil company CEOs are typically in attendance at the annual meetings. Schlafly-style kingmaker speculation was renewed in the 1990s. Future U.S. President Bill Clinton attended the Bilderberg meeting in 1991 as a little-known governor of Arkansas. In 1992, only one year later, Clinton was elected president of the USA. Quite the glow-up! But lightning struck twice later in the same decade. Future UK Prime Minister Tony Blair attended Bilderberg 93 as MP for Sedgefield and Shadow Home Secretary. In 1994, Blair became leader of the Labour Party and became Prime Minister in 1997. Some people also mentioned that Margaret Thatcher attended the 1975 Bilderberg meeting only a few short years before she became UK Prime Minister in 1979. Though, to be fair, Thatcher was already leader of the opposition in 1975. Nevertheless, is it possible that Bilderbergers helped these politicians rise to become leaders of their nations? Well, maybe. In November of 2009, the Bilderbergers hosted a dinner meeting at the Chateau of Val Duché in Brussels. This dinner meeting was not a part of the annual Bilderberg meeting. The purpose of the meeting was to lobby in favor of the candidacy, the candidacy of Herman Van Rompuy for the president of the European Council. Council, excuse me, president of the European Council. That kind of makes it seem like the Bilderbergers are not beyond lobbying for candidates preferred by the group. Hmm. In the interest of the whole enchilada, though, the Bilderbergers allegedly much preferred Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. So. If Bilderberg is picking candidates, it clearly doesn't always work out. Journalist, author, and filmmaker John Ronson said that Dennis Healy, who held numerous positions in the UK government and was a longtime Bilderberg steering committee member, said Bilderberg tried to target up-and-coming politicians to introduce them to business leaders who could give the politicians advice and help them advance their political careers. In 2010, none other than former Cuban President Fidel Castro wrote an article for the Cuban Communist Party newspaper, Grandma. <laughs> that's that's the name of the, the publication. Uh, in the article, Fidel quoted from Daniel Estelin's 20, or 2006 book, The Secrets of the Bilderberg Club. The quotes Fidel selected concerning Bilderberg lobbying and attempts to put a world government in place, which is only accountable to itself. Um... We told you before that in the same year, 2010, uh, Willie Claus gave a, uh, what is it? Willie Case? Uh, Willie Claus. Willie Claus. Yeah. Um, gave an interview about the workings of real live Bilderberg meetings he attended. Um, one interesting thing that Claus uh, said, which has really fueled some conspiracies, is that the consensus opinion uh, is about the consensus opinions reached. Quote, and everybody is supposed to use those conclusions in his circle of influence, end quote. Now, obviously, this has been um, seen by some as implying that participants of the Bilderberg meetings are getting orders, which they then take back to their home countries to put into action. If you uh, consider that uh, that w- 
with what Fidel wrote, if you consider that with what Fidel wrote, you get the picture of prominent figures from all over the world buying into the Bilderberg vision and then going back to their lives and spreading the gospel like some kind of New World Order missionaries. But not everybody likes the missionary position. And certainly not handsome Brian Dunning of Skeptoid. Brian Dunning exclusively does it doggy style. At least that's true in my imagination and erotic Skeptoid fanfic I write. <laughs> yep. Lots, and with that, lots of explicit <laughs> doggy style references in that fanfic. Yeah, and with that, we have now lost any chance of Brian ever <laughs> coming on the show, yep. but that's okay. Yep. Was, we had a good run. We had a good run. Brian, if you still want to come on the show, we're more than going to welcome you. Anyway, hashtag get Brian on Bunker. Anyway, uh, anyway, Brian doesn't find Castro's article convincing in the least. As uh, Brian points out, Castro was only quoting a book he read. Fidel never attended a Bilderberg meeting, so there's no reason to think that he had personal knowledge of the workings of their group outside of what he read. As for Klaus, uh, uh, Brian thinks that Klaus's quote is cherry-picked by theorists to prove their point. Context is important. In the same interview, Klaus said, also said, uh, no, no voting, no resolutions put to paper, end quote. You know, so it seems likely that what Klaus was trying to convey is that the idea of the meetings is that participants can, you know, take away the knowledge and insights they gain and use them to positively impact others in their everyday circles. This idea is perhaps supported by something else Klaus said about the uh, how the Bilderberg participants have to sit next to different people at each meal. Quote, I think it is really meant to accommodate the exchange of different and even contradictory opinions. End quote. Now, with respect to Bilderberg participants getting, quote, orders, quote, that they had to uh, carry out, uh, Dunning says this, quote, uh, one reason it would be difficult for the Bilderberg group attendees to control the world is that it's a different group of people each year. The core group, the steering committee, only changes gradually over the years, but the majority of attendees are invited only once or a few times. Bill Gates attended the 2010 meeting. Would uh, What would be the point of inviting Bill Gates to just one of your secret world domination planning meetings? Did you threaten him into secrecy? Are all attendees threatened to, into secrecy every year? It would probably be a, not a very popular event if this were the case. If I were Bill Gates and received a threat as soon as I walked into the door, I'd tell them that they could kiss me and uh, turn around and walk out. Most of these people um, probably have better things to do than attend someone else's world domination meeting where their own opinions are ignored and they have to enter into some kind of bizarre obedience pact to attend, end quote. As Brian Dunning says, and as we've mentioned, the Bilderberg meetings are very secretive, and that's probably where a lot of these conspiracy theories originate, especially when you consider the people on the guest list, which, according to comedy writer and Guardian reporter Charlie Skelton, is often incomplete. Skelton says that the official list released by the Bilderberg Group doesn't include some magnates who may not attend the full conference, but drop in for a day or two. Uh, even without these drop-ins, the collected amount of power and wealth in the room at Bilderberg is huge. It's only natural that some people would feel these meetings aren't totally above board and are having undue influence on the government officials in attendance. All that said, the Ernst van der Bugel chair in the 
Diplomatic History of Atlantic Cooperation Since World War II at the University of Leiden, Giles Scott Smith, says that Bilderberg was a, was very political at its outset, but since the Cold War ended, the meetings have become more like corporate conventions. To that point, Professor Scott Smith says the Bilderberg meetings in the 1990s were key in beginning discussions, which ultimately led to the creation of modern-day Airbus, which is the world's largest airliner manufacturer. Along that same line, Charlie Skelton describes the Bilderberg participants as, quote, extremely powerful fans of globalization, end quote. To be fair, Skelton doesn't say that in a necessarily conspiratorial way. It's just acknowledging that the Bilderbergers are a powerful group of people with global influence. Now, one person who for sure thinks globalization and conspiracy go hand in hand is none other than Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a frequent critic of Bilderberg and even a Bilderberg activist appearing at meetings, loca meeting locations to protest. Alex Jones even says he was detained by Canadian immigration in 2006 after traveling to Ottawa, where the Bilderberg meeting was being held. According to Jones, quote, they were talking about how I was a criminal. They hooked our laptop computers up and said it and said that if they found any porn, even mainstream porn, <laughs> that it's illegal to take it across lines and that we'd be going to jail, end quote. Thankfully, there was no porn on the computers, not even mainstream porn. <laughs> Alex Jones doesn't need porn anyway because he takes testosterone supplements that allow his hog to crank itself. Get them on the InfoWars store. At the 2013 Bilderberg meetings in Hertfordshire, England, Jones was interviewed for a HuffPost UK video while protesting. Jones said in that video that Bilderberg steers much of the world and steers other global organizations. For example, Jones says the Bilderberg agenda stretches years into the future, and the points raised at Bilderberg are often repeated at meetings like the G8. Other protesters were also interviewed for the video. One said that Bilderberg is definitely a shadow government, and they know that's true because Alex Jones said so. A protester in a David Icke t-shirt said that the participants are more powerful than the Queen. Another said there were UK politicians from different parties attending. It's a conflict of interest. Some prominent Bilderbergers themselves have even been quoted on the topic of Bilderberg conspiracy theories. Dennis Healy uh, said this, quote, To say we were striving for a one-world government is exaggerated, but not wholly unfair. Those of us in Bilderberg felt we couldn't go on forever fighting one another for nothing and killing people and rendering millions homeless. So we felt that a single community throughout the world would be a good thing. End quote. Etienne Devignon, again, the former Bilderberg chairman, said this about Bilderberg conspiracy theories. Quote, it is unavoidable and it doesn't matter. <laughs> there will always be people who believe in conspiracies but things happen in a much more incoherent fashion. When people say this is a secret government of the world, I say that if we were a secret government of the world, we should be bloody ashamed of ourselves, end quote. And honestly, that's, that's mostly the defense mounted by Bilderbergers. You know, they, they feel the meetings have the appropriate level of transparency by publicly listing the locations and dates of meetings, the attendees, and the topics for discussion. Uh, as Bilderbergers see it, the only thing they're hiding is the actual discussion that takes place. The reasons for doing this, they say, is, that that is so that prominent folks who attend can speak freely without fear of their thoughts ending up in the press. It gives these highly scrutinized individuals a chance to 
interact with other luminaries without the need to be guarded with their words. Now, outside of conspiracy accusations, um, there are some legitimate questions about the Bilderberg meetings. One obvious question is this. Do the people involved in Bilderberg have the right to meet without any press scrutiny or transparency on the proceedings? I mean, this is a pretty big question when you take into consideration the participation of government officials. Should these officials have to disclose the content of discussions or how the meetings impact their official roles in government? Of course, that leads us to another question. Is the Bilderberg meeting really any different from lobbying that already happens in governments across the globe? Professor Jow Scott Smith says that Bilderberg meetings are important today, even despite the shift away from overtly political to more corporate focus. Because the participants gain perspective from the meetings and exchanging and discussing ideas with each other, which really is the point of lobbying at its least sinister level, obviously not all lobbying is completely above board and Bilderberg may be subject to the same kind of problems. We also have to ask how powerful is the Bilderberg lobby? Even if Bilderberg is not a full-blown global government, does the group have enough power of influence to dictate events in actual governments? Uh, Katie Chakraborty, head uh, for uh, head of advocacy for Oxfam, a uh, humanitarian charity confederation, says that people should be concerned about the proprietary build-your-own burger blend of corporate and government leaders. Oftentimes, public and private interests can be at odds. One has to wonder, are the Bilderbergers really acting in the interest of the greater good, or are they serving their own interests before the interests of the populations from which they hail? Do meetings like Bilderberg actually produce superior outcomes for people who aren't involved? Speaking of people who aren't involved, it's quite a lot of us. I've never been invited to Bilderberg. Have you, Art? No. And it's even after I, I tier three, uh, I T3 fucking subscribed to Bilderberg Twitch stream, paid for their premium Snapchat, simped for them on fucking social media, but it doesn't matter. Global cabals only want rich dudes with globe-sized balls. Nice guys like me never get invited. You know, Bilderberg keeps me in the friend zone. Oh, sure. When Warren Buffett can't make the meeting, Bilderberg comes crying to me. And I listen. I care. But do you think Bilderberg notices? Whatever. I'm so done with shadow world governments, Andy. Yeah, you're really going your own way on this one, Art. Fuck spent so much money on their Patreon. <laughs> what, they're subscribed to their OnlyFans? God, just so they could have their meeting in Brussels. <laughs> you, you paid for all those nude pictures of Henry Kissinger. Yeah. And, and they nothing. weren't even that nude. It was just a couple of nips. No full donger, no full centerpieces, anything. Not yeah. even any fun cosplays. Yeah, Kissinger wasn't hanging brain in those photos. What gives? <laughs> he said he was going to do a full spread in all the as all the outfits of all the characters of, of Evangelion. <laughs> but he did it. Uh, yeah, he barely off. even did it. There was nothing. No Max. No nothing. Terrible. Fucking lame. Yeah. Anyway, the guest list is Bilderberg. <laughs> just, just anyway. Yeah. Anyway, the guest list at Bilderberg meetings is a frequent point of contention. As, uh, oh boy, Charterbarky? 
Shark abordy. Shark abordy. Shark abordy. Shark abordy. Shark abordy. Okay. Puts it. Uh, money buys so much more access than it skews the type of people who who matter, so to speak, in meetings like Bilderberg. Bilderberg participants do gain something from the meeting, but uh, really they're talking uh, they're talking about a lot of issues that don't really impact them that much. The people who are most impacted by the discussion topics at Bilderberg, well, we never really get a seat at the table. If the wealth and power of the participants insulates them from some of the very real consequences of the topics they discuss at Bilderberg, well, that calls into the question the usefulness of any, quote, solutions devised um, at the meetings. Bilderbergers are experts on their own lives and experiences, but the meetings lack enough participation to make the group experts on the lives and experiences of even most of the people on Earth. You know, and in fact, the lack of diversity has been a frequent criticism of Bilderberg. In 2017, The Guardian reported that fewer than 25% of the 2017's participants were women and said that there were more Goldman Sachs executives in attendance um, than people of color at that year's meeting. And that's not even to mention the Bilderberg is still fundamentally a North American and Western European event. There are lots of places in the world that aren't represented in the meetings at all, despite those places, well, being topics of discussion. Let's not forget to mention the security at these events. When Bilderberg rolls into your town, you can bet there will be a huge police presence and massive amounts of security at the meeting venue. These are VIPs, after all. Police have been accused of harassing journalists trying to cover the meetings. All this police and security presence means quite a disruption for locals and is a big drain on local resources. While Bilderberg foots some of the bill, they don't always cover all costs incurred by local governments to accommodate the meetings. Are Bilderberg events really a good use of local government cash? Quiche? So what's going <laughs> So what's going on at Bilderberg meetings? There are many legitimate questions and many theories about the meetings and their impact. Considering the secrecy and tight security, it seems unlikely that any real clarity about ongoing proceedings will be forthcoming. But really, does does Bilderberg really pose a threat to average people? Are the meetings essentially just a bunch of elites hanging out and discussing the events of the day? Might the insights they gain at the meetings even have a positive impact on their thoughts and actions? Or, ultimately, is Bilderberg cloaked in secrecy because the participants are making the decisions on which the world turns, gathering leaders to their cause, making them agents of the shadow world government. Here's what HBD, handsome Brian Dunning, thinks. Quote, they stated, their stated purpose obviously makes very good sense for people in their position. Which is more likely? That they, uh, that they are what they say they are and what we'd expect them to be. Or, everything we see about them is an illusion and they're actually running our lives and planning our destruction. Beware any conspiracy theory that claims to predict future events. Not one has ever been right. End quote. End quote. What do Andy and I think? Well, you gotta stick around and find out. Consider this, Bunkfunkers, your official invitation to the first annual Bunkerberg meeting. And there's only one topic of discussion. The whole enchilada.
Hey, welcome back, bunk funkers. That was our research of the Bilderberg meeting group. <laughs> Jolly good. Jolly good. I do it all for the queen. Um, <laughs> wow, 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 Andy. Ooh, this is a big one, huh? Oh, man. This is a meaty enchilada. A lot of stuff here. I mean, there we're we're touching on like there's there's a lot of philosophical quandaries with this one on the nature of uh, of privacy and uh, government and uh, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you know, like there's a conspiracy angle. There's also, like you said, you just you get to basic philosophical questions about this, the whole existence of this thing and people's participation in it. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover here. I mean, a lot of movers and shakers. I I guess we should yeah. really start. Um, I like, <laughs> I do think it's funny, though, that in 2019, there's one of the videos in our research is kind of naming some people on the guest list. And it's like the chairman of Goldman Sachs, the king of the Netherlands, and the co-founder of LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Oh, baby, the real fucking power players of Silicon Valley, the CEO and co-founder of LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, that's actually uh, like the 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 invitations extended to people in the tech world is actually a more a more recent development. Of yeah, it makes Bilderberg. sense. So that's like the that's like the trend now in the invite list is that <laughs> there's more people from the tech world because so many of these like uh, tech CEOs and stuff are are insanely wealthy. Um, oh yeah, and I mean they are. Uh, in well, I don't know. In some people's opinion, maybe the opinion of this co-host changing the world for the worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, look, they've they're dipping their pens in a lot of different ink. You know, it's like because yeah. you know how it is. It's like you make a lot of money someplace, a company that you co-found. It, Gets, Likes LinkedIn, the most exciting of all social media platforms. <laughs> the one I use exclusively. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, it's like then they get involved in other businesses and stuff. So it's like these are, these are you know, in our world now, these are power players in terms of the business community. I saw your LinkedIn profile the other day and you, uh-huh. you like to post statuses. Like you posted one the other day that just said, ugh, boys suck. <sighs> they do. Like uh, you were obviously Andy, you were obviously fishing for attention. Yeah, with that one, <laughs> you know, my whole LinkedIn is just me fishing for attention. Like <laughs> anytime I see, you know, an ad for like McDonald's LinkedIn page pop up, I go on there and post. I ate there yesterday. <laughs> Got any jobs? You'll frequently also like respond to other posts by like brands and stuff. Their brand pages on mm-hmm. LinkedIn, like you'll uh, like a. Uh, Mountain Dew will post something and then you'll be like, thanks, Mountain Dew. No, thank Like, I, I'm i okay. <laughs> I know that the brands are checking on me personally and yeah. they don't want me to feel weird about it. So they disguise them as public posts. Uh, or my, my favorite thing that you do is um, other people's posts where they might like, like I saw one the other day on your LinkedIn profile where um, mm-hmm. somebody had written like a really long uh, article that they posted on LinkedIn about like, what to do if you get fired from your job and you just commented at the bottom egg salad recipe. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you were trying to do a Google search, but you accidentally were typing a comment on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, I do that a lot. Uh, I, it's hard for me to distinguish between the tabs on my browser. I mean, I've never closed a tab in my life. So that's right. Uh, you actually have like 80 different um, search tabs and like, 
different um, things in your in your Internet Explorer browser. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. I use exclusively Internet Explorer or Netscape, and <laughs> um, probably about thirty one percent of the tabs are egg salad recipes. I like to try different <laughs> recipes, yeah. but I eat a lot of eggs. I mean, at least fourteen eggs a day. That's what that's keeps good. Your, that's very healthy. Yeah, that keeps your body running. I mean, I smell like sulfur all the time. <laughs> and I post about that a lot on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the Chatham House rule, Andy? I, on the one hand, I, I like it as a... I don't know. What do you think? Um, you know how it What often, do you think about that? How it often gets described at the genesis of the Chatham House rule is that it's a rule that allows for discussion of controversial topics without yeah. fear of the discussion being attributed to any one person and words being taken out of context and plastered in the press. It's an it's an interesting rule. I kind of agree with you. I understand the reason that the Bilderberg meetings use it, but at the same time, well, maybe I'll say this. I don't so much have a problem with the Chatham House rule itself. I think I think where the real issue is, I mean, a lot of people probably don't like the Chatham House rule, but I think where the real issue is, is like we never get a summary of the discussion or anything. You know, there's right. no there's no idea what kind of consensus the group reaches. I mean, this is a lot of the fuel for the conspiracy fire is there's no there's no information on what they actually talk about. You know, even unattributed, we don't know what they were even discussing or what opinions were about the items on the agenda. So you're really left to only speculate about it. I mean, I think from a from like an optics standpoint, the Chatham House rule makes them look bad, but probably the secrecy makes it look more bad than the Chatham House rule. I guess I don't have so much a problem with the Chatham House rule. It's more of the the other secrecy stuff is where I give pause, I guess. Right. I you, mean, uh, anonymity. You know, I, I'm all for privacy and such, and I. But but yeah. anonymity is anonymity totally perfect? If you've ever gone on any kind of uh, anonymous messaging or uh, uh, types of boards where uh, you know, or just like uh, neighborhood apps where you don't have to necessarily it doesn't show your name or where you live and stuff. It's like you, you know, when people are anonymous, they really can be just complete fucking assholes. Yeah, um, that's true. And I, I like that idea that possibly they could give us summaries of what they're talking about. And there's, there's ways that they could still make it anonymous so that these people can have open discussions. I mean, maybe they might have to like edit around it a little bit where it's like when discussing, um, when discussing the uh, Russian uh, uh, annexing of Crimea, one of the anonymous uh, users mentioned, I think LinkedIn could be really valuable in um, helping out with the uh, issues going on in Russia. It's like, obviously, we know who's bringing that up. It's, it's the fucking CEO of LinkedIn that they keep inviting. Yeah, yeah. All he, all he does is bring up how LinkedIn could be used to solve these problems. What can the West do about Iran's growing nuclear armaments? Well, I really think LinkedIn could be very useful in this regard. Have we thought about expanding LinkedIn's reach to Iran? <laughs> One anonymous user had this to say. Um, I don't know. I mean, 
you invite a bunch of public policymakers and various other movers and shakers. Regardless, these are very powerful people in powerful countries. And they're elite. You know, these are people whose their decisions really do impact people on a macro scale to learn about various topics uh, very much related to public policies that they may very well enact into law. And like, we're not allowed to learn who's presenting the info or what or what's being said and no reporters are allowed. I don't know. Yeah. I, it seems very sketch to me. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, another aspect of that is the police presence, which I think is kind of a big deal. Um, because not only are police fairly aggressive in keeping people out uh, and from having people get into the meetings, um, you know, the the Daily Mail sent somebody at a Bilderberg conference undercover posing as a, a waitress at the hotel. Yeah, that 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 video was a real uh, they a letdown. It's 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 like ninety five percent rustling. And yeah, she's, she's wearing like a fucking sunbags, sun, sun, sun chips bag for a shirt. <laughs> yeah, there was clearly was a bag of sun chips, a necklace uh, with a medallion. Instead of a medallion, it was just a bag of sun chips. And the mic Holy was hidden shit. inside the bag of sun chips. I mean, Jesus. it's it's awful. But, you know, when she gets into the hotel, they like cover up the cameras on her phone. Uh, and stuff. It's like there's a lot of security measures that they take oh, even a for lot. the staff. They the staff can't come in through the main entrance. Um, and you know, the, the, aside from that, it's like you know, there's all these accusations that the police harass journalists who are trying to learn more. Um, you know, there was a an instance where a journalist says they were woken from their sleep at 4 a.m. with police busting into their room where they were staying near the conference. Uh, and then it's, you know, the police get in there and start asking for ID and then it's all like, oh no, we thought you were somebody else. And then they leave. And it's like, is that just an intimidation tactic? Was this an honest mix up? I mean, it's pretty suspicious. Um, and beyond just aggressive security, uh, it's like this, this takes a lot of resources from the locations where these meetings are held, you know, because the, the police have to like change the traffic flow and block off streets and stuff. So there's impact to people that live there. And then this is expensive. I mean, you know, these police don't work for free. Uh, it's like they're they're probably getting overtime and stuff from the police department. I mean, this is like this is a big drain on local resources. And, you know, it's fair to ask, these are co- like some of the richest people in the world that are members of this group. It's like they can't afford to cover the costs of <laughs> the whole meeting. Like they chip in. I mean, you know, if they're soliciting donations, like I get it that, you know, not everybody's going to give all of their wealth to this once a year event. But it's like, surely if people really believe in this, like Kissinger, like, you know, is there no sort of endowment or something that could pay for these expenses? I mean, it just seems it seems strange to me that they sort of pick a place and just impose on that lo- locality to provide all of this security for them yeah. at, at the expense of the local taxpayer. And surely the CEO linked in with his vast fortune could um, <laughs> easily cover the cost. He could easily cover the cost of security for every Bilderberg meeting from now until the end of time. Oh no, I know what you're saying. It's like, I think that we're at least maybe a little entitled to, 
a little bit of info if they're gonna like impose this big fucking mess but i mean i guess it's kind of the question on privacy like uh-huh. do we believe that these i mean that's the problem is it's a mixture of public servants mm-hmm. government workers and uh private sector people mingling Right. And uh, I know they're trying to say like, well, it's much more like a corporate. It's like, yeah, but regardless, there are fucking public policymakers and government advisors there. Do they are they entitled to privacy when they are? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's I guess it's kind of a philosophical question here, you know? Yeah, it's um, like they invite journalists um, to these meetings. So there are people that are that work in the press that get invited to these meetings. But when they come to the meetings, they're not acting in capacity as journalists. They're acting in capacity as just themselves as people. Mm. So when government officials come though, there's no, it's not, it's not exactly the same, right? Like, right. Yeah. Maybe they're coming to the meeting to, further their own knowledge and stuff but it's not like a journalist can just say well i'm not going to report on this yeah there's like an nda and it's like everything they do is tied to their name so but how does a politician separate it i mean you know if they go to this meeting in a way they're acting in a capacity as a government agent i mean yeah is it not fair that you know we're and that's why it's called public service you 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 become a a public servant, you, when you when you run for office, when you achieve these high levels, especially these high levels of government, and this is all from an American perspective, of course. Yeah. Uh, but it's like you kind of sacrifice that bit of your private life, and I don't need to know every fucking piece of private information about policymakers. Trust me, I could give two shits. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. But it's like you do, you do kind of give it up a little bit, right? Like it's kind of the same thing for becoming a celebrity. And I'm not saying it's fair. And we mentioned this, I think, on the Princess Diana episode. But yeah, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying it's part of the deal of the world where it's like if you achieve this high level of government, it's like if you become the president or you become some fucking high level congressman, you're going to have a security detail. That's going to be part of your life now. Like. You know, uh, yeah. Are they entitled to some privacy? These rich, uh, elite, world-changing people, like all they want to do is just get together so they can openly discuss topics without feeling like their careers are going to be ruined for asking stuff like, yo, what is the fucking deal with artificial intelligence stuff? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the CEO of LinkedIn, of course, because he's a bit of a bad boy. Yeah, he's truly the bad boy of the Bilderberg I mean, meetings. what is that truly it? Like, they just want to all get together to blow off steam and ask, like, quote, like honest questions, like, what the fuck do we do about China or Iran or North Korea, or, you know? Yeah. Without, without some reporter fucking spinning some piece like CEO of LinkedIn asks what's what's the deal with China's concentration camps in a poorly attempted Jerry Seinfeld impersonation he was you know what I'm saying he was wearing a blazer and jeans at the time (laughs) or is there an ulterior motive do we do we sit there and say like yes the the people of the the world-changing people of the world are so under so much pressure constantly and everything they say is twisted and turned 
that they need a place where they can all get together and discuss. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I tend to feel that business leaders don't get the same level of scrutiny that government officials do. So I think I think that a lot of these I think that a lot of the issues come from the government officials that take part in these things. Um, You know, business leaders probably could do something like this and it wouldn't probably do. But yeah, I think the I think the thing that's different about this from a from a like corporate perspective is that you get you get leaders together who are like competitors. And, you know, when we talk about like in, in this country, especially, you know, like the, the operation of the free market, it's like, do these meetings represent some form of collusion when there's, you know, like if you have CEOs from like BP and Dutch Royal Shell, um, uh, you know, like, and Von Dutch, uh, the clothing company. Yeah, <laughs> probably the wealthiest CEO on earth, the Von Dutch CEO. Second uh, only to the CEO of LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm always wearing my Von Dutch trucker hat when I'm on my uh, LinkedIn, posting pictures to my LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> but it's it's fair to ask, it, you know, like there's speculation about. What happened in the 70s? You know, did they plan an increase in oil prices? Is there some kind of collusion going on between these business leaders? I mean, I think I think they're probably more entitled to secrecy just because I think there's less scrutiny anyway. But I mean, from a from a laws perspective, like, are there any laws being broken by this? Is that a reason for the anonymity? Because, yeah, there's there's some collusion going on there. I don't know. I mean, that's. That's a legitimate question about these proceedings. And then when you throw in the fact that there's there's government officials too, I mean, yeah. that that muddies the water even more. I mean, and you, I agree with you. It's, it's very fair to ask, like, do they have a right to be at a private meeting like this? I mean, just recently, I mean, since 2017, uh, there's been a – 2017, the meeting was in the USA and members of the Trump administration – I mean, we mentioned Jared Kushner at 2019, but – like Wilbur Ross went to the meeting in 2017. Um, Mike Pompeo showed up uh, at one of these meetings. Like there, there are legitimate, and then this is not to pick on the Trump administration exclusively because this has been true for you know presidential administrations in the U.S. from the get-go. Like people have been attending, uh, and then there's no there's no oversight of that. I mean, the public has no sunshine on those discussions. And well, and also their 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 whole their whole uh, their whole guest list is only the people who stay for the full three days. There's tons of people who just pop in and out like it's a fucking college party. Yeah, the there's CEO of LinkedIn drops by, fucking you know, does a keg stand, does a couple hits of ketamine, and then fucks off. Takes the world's biggest bong rip and then just yeah, it takes the world's biggest fucking bong rip and pieces out, and everyone goes, God damn. CEO of LinkedIn is so fucking cool. I wish he would have stayed for longer than a day. God, the CEO of LinkedIn is such a fucking cool guy. God damn. A legitimate badass. God, he looks so good in tank tops. How does he look so fucking good? I never knew why they called him muscle shirts till I saw the CEO of LinkedIn wear one. God damn, he's ripped. God, most guys look fucking awkward in shorts and he looks so good in those chinos. I don't get it. What's his secret? <laughs> uh, 
CEO of LinkedIn, CEO of Chad's. Yep. Um, um, <laughs> but I mean, their 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 guest list though, their guest list is not like it's not entirely, and and we don't know who's presenting the information. That to me is kind of the biggest deal. It's like two different people can have two wildly different opinions on uh, on uh, a situation going down in a certain country or I don't know, like corporation or something, right? Like two two different people can have vastly different opinions on artificial intelligence. You talk to a tech company who's who's got a big time stock in AI, they'll sit there and tell you, oh yeah, this is going to be fucking great. But you go talk to somebody else, they may be like, yeah, AI is great, but it's going to it's going to put millions of people out of work when it starts getting really good and we get like artificial intelligent cars that can drive themselves and like fucking uh you know cashiers that we don't need cashiers in grocery stores anymore and like shit like that you know what i'm saying yeah and that's and that's a good point i mean obviously you would tend to think that most of the corporate ceos and and leaders that that go to an event like this probably are in favor of things like ai because it could replace human workers uh which helps reduce costs which helps increase profit which is the point of a business and Ooh, I don't know. I don't know, Andy. I might debate you on that one. Okay, go ahead. Well, I just think that maybe in in some senses, but in other senses, they might not want to replace entire industries. They might try to uh, halt change because they're, uh, who knows, maybe they have constituents or, um, I mean, it doesn't seem like low-level government officials are attending these, but then again lowly governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, uh, showed up. And that's a pretty, I mean, not, I shouldn't say low level government official in the U S being a governor of a state is, is a pretty high, pretty prestigious and high, uh, you're like the president of the state basically. Yeah. In a position to attain. Um, but is it the same as the secretary of defense? I mean, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, but, but, but you know, he might say like, Oh geez, no, I'm not fucking, I'm not investing in AI. It's going to put all the truck drivers out of work, and then I'm going to have 5 million fucking out-of-work truck drivers. I'm going to try and halt this shit as long as possible. Well, I guess this that's kind of where I'm going, is like, you know, if if the corporate interest is in, you know, reduce, like, favoring AI, like, let's just, let's just bear this out hypothetically, because we don't have any real information. Uh, if it's in favor of things like AI to reduce human workforces and and keep um you know costs low by eliminating the need to pay workers and benefits and all the stuff that that companies have to offer if you have that that obviously creates a situation where if you draw it out to its logical conclusion i mean you you and i have talked about this before you get to this post work world where there may just not be jobs enough for everybody and then what do yeah. you do you know, oh, it's gonna be great. So you can kind of look at this from two <laughs> ways. In the yeah, right, we're just dying for the post-work world. Um, you can kind of look at this from two angles, right? Like maybe it's good that government officials are there and they can talk about these things openly and freely because it helps them craft policy. Mm. It helps them get their finger on the pulse of the changes that are coming in the corporate world that will ultimately impact those constituents. So it right. helps them make better decisions when they're f- like, you know deciding on how to make policy and 
write it, laws and stuff. In a way, it, it helps them put they they're putting their two fingers in the warm hot American pie. <laughs> yes, of policy, the yeah. warm hot American pie of policy. Before they go ahead and fuck it, Andy, they're gonna fuck that pie. Yeah, and you yeah. know it. Yeah, because this is what could happen: is they could fuck the pie by <laughs> by saying like, "Oh, okay, you know, they're they're complicit in this idea." And yet they do nothing to stop it, which yeah. then endangers the existence of their constituents. But, you know, maybe there's, you know, that's where the conspiracy is, right? On that track. I suppose so, but yes. I think there's like, yes. I think there's two ways you could you could look at that. Um, so I think if we draw it out, you know, to that conclusion on the conspiracy side, it's like almost the government officials without any oversight could be complicit in some scheme uh not even to like hurt people necessarily, but that's the impact of it. And nobody who will be impacted by that can even sit at the table and bring up, hey, this is going to suck for me if there's no right backup plan or there's no safety net or there's no other way forward uh, if I can no longer work because everything's done by a computer. Right, right, right. I just my my I think my kind of like end sort of statement after all the research was just sort of it seems naively optimistic to just say, oh, these powerful elite rich people who have never once in the past, you know, some of them, not all of them. I mean, obviously, the CEO of LinkedIn, but (laughs) have never once shown care or remorse for lay people in their whatever. And they just want to gather to learn like it's like all right come on like don't you think that's a little naively optimistic you're one step Mm -hmm. removed from saying what the oil industry just wants to have a private closed door off the record meeting with that u.s senator it's not a big deal dude (laughs) yeah like you know what i'm saying like it's like oh i know it just seems a little naively optimistic to say like Listen, they are what they think we are. They are. They're not planning. It's like, I don't know. Like they, in a way, they're kind of, they are planning for the future of their countries and the world and the different things that they're going to say and do. But let me put, um, let me put this. Do we have a right to know what that is? Let me put this question to you, Art. What you just said, is that any different though from what a lobbyist might do? at a senator's office at their Senate office building. In that case, you'd probably only have a record that the senator met with that person. Right. And it would be probably find outable that that person worked as a lobbyist for whatever group or organization or whatever the case might be. Um, You know, and a lot of politicians will tell you that they appreciate lobbying because it helps bring things to their attention that they otherwise might not know about. Now, the choice to disclose or not disclose the contents of a discussion with a lobbyist really is up to the politician and the lobbyist. If they want to keep the whole content of the discussion secret, they can do it. So is Bilderberg really any different than that? Um, is there anything special about it that that makes it different than just any business leader meeting with a politician in their office. Is that the question? That's the question. Is it any different than just routine (laughs) lobbying? Uh, 
I mean, I guess not fundamentally. I think maybe the difference is that when we see that an oil lobby or some kind of lobbyist for some kind of company is meeting with a senator, I guess we can kind of see. Do we get like the minutes of the meeting? Do you know off the top oh, of your I head? Don't, I don't think so. Typically, I I think those are. It's, it's just it's just so and so senator. Senator Joe Schmo met with. It's like oil lover 69 <laughs> at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. I think that you'd have uh, like a record of the log book for the senator's office, like the agenda and stuff for the day. So you'd see appointment with this person and this person and whatever. But I don't think that you'd have the minutes from there. I don't know that anybody's even taking minutes in a meeting like that. Um, but so I think that in it, like you said, at a fundamental level, it's almost the same as Bilderberg. Just routine lobbying. Yeah, but I don't know if that necessarily makes it right. Uh, no. In fact, I would argue that lobbying is probably pretty corrupt, in, at least in this country <laughs> and probably in a lot of countries. And uh, Bilderberg is probably subject to the same uh, corruptions that plague lobbying now where, you know, you have the opportunity at Bilderberg if you're if you're a business leader and your company's got cash to spend, you have a chance to talk to a government leader. You have a chance to maybe convince them of something that is helpful to your business uh, or to your industry. You can then make a donation to them. Maybe you make a large donation to a political action committee or something that's connected to that candidate and right. Lo and behold, eventually your thing gets passed, uh, even though it may not necessarily be in the best interest of a majority of the people in the country where uh, you're located and the government official represents. And I, I think that happens today with politicians just in everyday lobbying. And I think that that probably happens in Bilderberg, too. Hmm. Well, I don't know, Andy. I mean, I think I think in some regards, we're not really the experts oh, on this sort of hardly. stuff, don't you think? Yeah, that's, um, that's true. I'm thinking that maybe, I don't know, maybe we need to ask some other people. Yeah, I mean, um, let's call Regis other, Philbin. Can we phone a friend? <laughs> Can we phone a friend? Um, no, but uh, actually, I uh, be- before we left the bunker, I actually... Um, I actually stole Mr. Bunker's Rolodex. You you stole his Rolodex? I stole his Rolodex. He keeps a Rolodex of secret private numbers that he has um and he has he has collected over his years of researching and are, um Are you sure you want to admit that on air? He's not going to care. <laughs> Are He'll you get sure? Over it. Are you I don't sure? think he listens to the show. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you might be right about that. I don't know. I'm not convinced that he does. He's always like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't know. I skipped the intro and then I kind of listened to the research a little bit. Then I kind of, I don't know, I phase out when you guys start talking again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so you're like most listeners. Yeah. You're like the majority. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I always kind of figured that he didn't listen because he's always like, oh, you guys are doing a great job. And it's like, obviously, we're not. (laughs) You clearly haven't listened. (laughs) Clearly, you do not listen to the show. (laughs) 
but I, I'll start thumbing through this thing and maybe we can find some, um, well, I mean, Mr. Bunker is a man of intrigue, so. <laughs> that's the Rolodex. I'm flipping through the Rolodex. Oh, that, that's the sound of the Rolodex? Yeah, that's the Rolodex. <laughs> it sounded like you, you. there was a psychic mind battle going on over there. No. <laughs> It's obviously been a long time since you've used a Rolodex, sir. And this is what they sounded like. Yeah, I don't need a Rolodex anymore. CEO of LinkedIn hooked me up with a virtual Rolodex. Ooh, Andy, we got Bill Clinton on the phone. We can call it Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh my God. Bill Bill Clinton, actual Bilderberg attendee, Bill Clinton. And former... look, here's the number for Alex Jones as oh well. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Should we do, we should do maybe a, uh, should we do like a conference call? Just pick their brains about this stuff. I mean. And then see what happens when they talk to each other. They're not fans of each other. Oh, no, I, I mean, it would be interesting discussion. I mean, this would be like our Bilderberg to listen in on that conversation oh, in wow. anonymity. I mean, I guess. All right, here, here I'm going to digitally send you, uh, Alex's number and then okay. I'll, I'll call up Bill here okay. on the phone. So, uh. Okay, I'm sending it to you right now, and you should have it. And uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial in. Uh, I'm gonna dial in old Bill. Okay, I'm gonna. Here we go. I'm gonna dial this number. It's just six nine over and over again. <laughs> Mine's just four twenty over and over again. <laughs> well, we'll all see right. how this goes. Fitting. All right, here we go. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> Hang on, it's ringing. It's ringing. You, did you call yours? Beep, boop, 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 boop. That is really that's a long phone. Oh, oh wait, I I dialed it. It's too long. Hold on. Okay. All right, hang on. Hang on. Let's bring it here. Let's bring it.
God damn it, you're so fucking stupid, Bill Clinton. <laughs> open your damn eyes, you gullible scum. Oh, my eyes are open, man. They might just look like they're closed. I'm so squinty. And all red and bloodshot, I bet, you freaking toker. Oh, yeah, I've been smoking a fat J. Big time. I remember when you... Hey, remember oh, when you yeah. served in Vietnam? Yeah, neither do uh, I. You uh, draft dodger. <laughs> dodging drafts, dodging impeachment trials. You know what they say. You didn't dodge that. You went through it. Oh, yeah. You got impeached. But then it got, like, overturned or some shit, right? I don't know. You got your ding, you got your ding dong sucked in the Oval Office. We all oh, know I it. Got more, I got more than that. But hey, blowjobs don't count as sick. Go on. Oh, I 69'd. I fucking... I did the Abraham Lincoln. I did the swordfish. I did the donkey punch. I did the Alabama shooter. I did the... Uh, I did the Six Flags Memorial Diet Coke ride. All right, all right, all right. Stop. My phone's going to My phone's gonna get confiscated by the authorities. I can't have any pornographic pornographic conversations on it. Even mainstream pornographic conversations. Hey, man, I got a question for you. Yeah. What's your deal with frogs? <laughs> have you ever been in the park and you see two male frogs going at it? Why it's all chemicals in the water. They turn the frog freaking gay. Man, what's up with that? Did a frog hurt okay. you? Did a frog kill your family? I've seen a lot of animals. Did something happen to you? Hey, I don't know what happened to you, man, but I just lost connection. Oh, uh, I lost... Hey, Alex, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, thought I lost you there for a second. Bad connection. I was just talking about homosexual frogs. Oh, did a frog hurt you? Did no. Did kill your family? <laughs> no. My father was killed by globalists. Look, <laughs> he was a dentist, but he knew too much. Uh, look, Bill... I went to a I went to a park one day and I saw two male frogs going at it hard, touching their wieners together, shooting sperm all over each other. It sickened me, and then I realized the government's putting chemicals in the water and turning the freaking frogs gay. The frogs are gay. <laughs> Man, I, I just think you need to like relax. You know, you could come. Uh, I I know a place you could come hang out. <laughs> relax for a little while. Oh, no thank you. I am wired. I drink ten gallons of Red Bull every day. <laughs> yeah, you could do that, man, on my friend Jeffrey's Island, dude. <laughs> oh, God. No. I can't go. I don't want to eat a cake made of a human being. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. It's like, you ever had an ice cream cake? Oh, God. Oh, God. Queen? I'm going to barf. I got so much undigested chili in my tummy. I'm gonna barf. Hey, you all right? You done? <laughs> oh God, I shouldn't eat ten bowls of chili before I fell asleep watching the monsters. <laughs> totally nude. Oh, watching man, the monsters. That, you're living that bachelor life. You sound like me. You my wife like me left me before I met Hillary. My wife left me. Yeah, I heard. 
I couldn't take care of my kids because I eat too much chili. <laughs> so I lost custody. I you have a chili. You got a chili problem, man. I'm addicted to chili. <laughs> I put cocaine in it. It's what keeps me wired and alert. <laughs> well, listen, man. I, uh, I think I think uh, Andy and I wanted us to talk about the Bilderberg beatings. <laughs> this wasn't about me eating chili and throwing uh, up. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, I'll tell you about the Bilderberg beatings. This is yeah, I've been to them. I know you have, you globalist oh, okay. scum. You're out All there pushing right. this globalist agenda down our throats. This is not what people want. People want to live their lives free of tyranny. And you're just ramming it hard down our throats. Globalism. I'm just Bilderberg. playing the sax, man. I, that's the only thing I'm rabbing, ramming down people's throats is my... My excellent sax playing. So you admit you've choked people with your saxophone. I've choked a few people out with my Krav Maga saxophone technique. Yes, that's true. I Dear invented God. It. I invented the Krav Maga saxophone technique. Dear God, he's Mossad trained. I knew it. <laughs> it's part of my, my series of martial arts videos where uh, I teach orchestras how to defend themselves. I've seen them. <laughs> You two warring, two warring orchestras going against each other. You need to know how to fight. It's clear that all the profits from those videos went to fund the, went to fund the the new world government, the new world order, of which you're definitely a part. Uh, man, the only world order I'm a part of is uh, the one love, jobless world order. You know what I'm saying? Ah, jobless. I hear you. You're out there trying to trying to take away our freedoms, our freedoms to work. No, I'm not. <laughs> what took so long? Are you high right now? Oh, sorry, I was spacing out thinking about uh, how funny SpongeBob SquarePants is. Oh, you sick bastard. That fucking communist sponge. I'd like to ring him out. Patrick's okay, though. Yeah. Mr. Krabs is great. SpongeBob, my boy. <laughs> what about Squidward? Squidward, Squidward sucks. Everyone hates Squidward. <laughs> See, we're not so different, you and I, Alex Jones. Maybe we do have some common ground here. I just always yeah. assume, assumed you were a horrible piece of shit because of your your globalist leanings. NAFTA, like NAFTA ruined my life. Hey, man, NAFTA after NAFTA. Uh... After and after, take a nap. <laughs> after and nap. I saw you uh, smoking a J on the Joe Rogan podcast. Maybe you could come uh, smoke a J with me on my private jet. On your private jet? Yeah. Uh, uh, It'd be a good time, man. Uh, well, I'm so we conflicted here. Uh, uh. We could take some of those alpha brain, alpha man pills you have. Those things work. All right. As long as we're taking some of my supplements, I'm on board. <laughs> I'll bring that weird doctor guy who's always on my program. <laughs> you know the one. The one who's clearly not a doctor. Dr. Thick Fingers? <laughs> no, that's you. Oh, that's me. That's your nickname. Oh, yeah, I got thick fingers. Like sausages. Oh, oh yeah. That's how you know you're Illuminati. Yeah, you got to have Sausage fingers. Hands. 
Yeah, you got a big old sausage fingers. Yeah, that's true. That's a fact. Not a lot of people know that about the Illuminati. Big fat sausage fingers. All of them. That's true. That's true. I, I can confirm that. Yep. Well, anyway, uh, I gotta get back. Uh, it's been fun hanging out, man, but, uh, Prince Andrew is gonna make up some cocktails. We're having some margaritas. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I'm gonna go have diarrhea for the next two hours. Seems like we're both having eventful nights. <laughs> anyway, see you on your private jet. All right, well, uh, Andy and Art, if you guys are listening, uh, keep up the good work. We love you guys. Hey, you guys are great. Uh, check out my website and buy some supplements, please. <laughs> check out my website. I got a, I, I'm going to be posting some music to SoundCloud soon. That's the turn I'm making. I'm going to become a SoundCloud rapper. Hey, a mumble rapper. I heard about yeah. it. That's what, my so- That's what my sources revealed to me. Your sorcerers? <laughs> I got a, I got a whole group of sorcerers who tell me what's going to happen with the globalists. <laughs> oh man, you don't have a Ventriax, the Time Wizard. One of them is that one of them? He's a good guy. No, I don't have a Time Wizard. I don't need a Time Wizard. Oh, okay. I need diviners and spellcasters and potion brewers. Oh, right, right. My line of supplements People. is exclusively created by sorcerers. And I get that weird doctor character to come on my show and promote it as a medical professional. But rest assured, these supplements are not medically safe. Dr. Slimeball? That's, that's his name. Dr. Slimeball. <laughs> that's what they call him in the medical community. Oh, cool, man. Hey, I'm glad uh, we had ourselves a little bit of a Bilderberg meeting right here, didn't we? I guess we Kinda... learned a little about living and a lot about love. <laughs> hey, I like that lyric. That sounds good to me. That was in a song I wrote, but I never get credited for it. Globalists took it from me. Well, you can get an accredited at like a two-year university or any of the above if you really wanted to. Yeah, I've been to Phoenix. <laughs> Well, hey, I think we had a nice little Bilderberg meeting uh, right here where we kind of uh, went through our differences, don't you think? Yeah, I think we uh, I think we sorted it all out. Uh, I'm proud to say that I'm a big supporter of Bill Clinton now. (laughs) Me, Alex Jones. (laughs) And I, Bill Clinton, love Alex Jones, baby. Wow. This is... uh... This is quite a peace summit. This is bigger than Camp David. <laughs> yeah, this is they ought to call this Camp Olive Branch. Yeah. Olive Olive Tree. What is it? A tree or a branch? Can a dove carry a tree? <laughs> Depends on the size of the dove. If it's a dove that hangs out at the park by me, then yes. <laughs> Those animals down there are all fucked up. Frogs <laughs> shoot cum everywhere. Huge doves ripping trees out of the ground. <laughs> House cats, feral as saber-toothed tigers, maulings, boy scouts. (laughs) Massive uh, armor-shredding moths that'll eat your car. I lost a Ford Fiesta to one of those cats. (laughs) Turtles that have guns on their backs. 
Oh my god, I had no idea that my globalist agenda had so much impact on animals. You did it, you ruined the pond by my park. <laughs> I'll live right by that park. I gotta go there and get shot up with frog cum. I get my four fiesta eaten out by a goddamn saber-toothed tiger. A dove took an oak tree out of the ground. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. The fireflies actually spit out liquid fire napalm. They burned my skin. <laughs> this isn't my natural skin. Oh, is that why you look like a hot dog that came to life? It's a prosthetic skin. <laughs> it's hot dog casing. <laughs> All natural sheep's intestines. <laughs> like, you ever seen a hot dog that kind of expands too much, but it, it doesn't explode yet? Like, when they boil it and they rip it up? That's kind of what you look like sometimes. Yeah, people have... Sometimes I think people... I just like to pretend that people are calling me shredded. But they're actually saying that I look like a shredder. Or, <laughs> or the hot dog was cooked too long and blew up. Or a uh, shredder from the Ninja Turtles? No, I won't wear no, a mask. No, no one's saying... <laughs> well, the only masks I'll wear are when we have those meetings where we all have to wear the... Uh, Carnival masks, then we fuck each other in the ass like a choo-choo train. That one? You ever been to those meetings? I've never been to one, but all the trains by my house fuck each other in the ass. <laughs> they fill up with water. They're, they're steam locomotives. They fill up with water from that pond. Man, I tell you what. And they grew humongous hogs. Thomas the Tank Engine sure was different back in my day. They grew humongous hogs and fearsome vaginas. <laughs> and absolutely colossal anuses. And the trains have unprotected sex daily on the tracks at the depot. <laughs> when they pull into station, they really just pull into each other's bodies. Man, I'm starting to think your town is just fucked up, man. You gotta move. Just move. I just can't fucking move. leave. I can't move. I'm not safe anywhere else. There's a lot of warrants out for my arrest, okay? <laughs> I've had no, I've had I've had something other than mainstream porn on my computer before. Man, what is the lead singer of Cherry Pie want to do with you? I love that band. <laughs> I've, been, I've been stalking the lead singer of Warrant. Man, that band for the past thirty rules. years. I fucking love that band. You Cherry love Warrant? Is my Cherry Pie. Go cool, drink your water, water such a sweet surprise. Tastes so good, my Make a grown man, man cry. cry. Sweet, Sweet cherry pie. pie. <laughs> well, Alex, I gotta get going, buddy. The margaritas are ready. And uh, I'm gonna go have a good-ass time, dude. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I gotta go have diarrhea for a couple hours. I ate too much chili. All Covered right, well, in chili. Head to toe. <laughs> Oh, it's gotten so much worse. I'm starting to think that you shower in chili. <laughs> it's spreading. <laughs> the chili is spreading. My hot dog casing skin can't repel it. It's not a mud mask, man. Chili's not a mud mask. That's what you say. <laughs> but you haven't seen my skin. It's beautiful. Blemish free. <laughs> I spilled a bowl of chili in that pond by my park and it came to life. <laughs> and then it sued me. Oh, man. So it developed sentience. 
It represented itself in court, and it won. I had to pay yes. $250,000 for inhuman pain and suffering for bringing it to life. Let me ask you some about this uh, ch chili thing that came to life. Can I ask you something about it? We call him Chili Man. <laughs> Can I ask you something about Chili Man? Guess what his kidneys are. <laughs> Guess what he walks on. <laughs> Oyster crackers? Ground beef. Oh, God. I was going to ask you, man, is Chili Man hot? Is he sexy? He's steaming hot. He's the temperature of lava. It's like he's been <laughs> microwaved for four hours. He's always hot. Steam emanates from his body. Oh, man. And that was not a hot bowl of chili when I spilled it. It was a couple of weeks old. Room temperature at best. Yeah, you've got a big problem with food, but, um, man, I'd love to meet Chili Man. That sounds cool as hell. Uh, well, he's got a restraining order against me, so you're going to have to contact him on your own. I don't know. I, I don't want to be succumbed to the same kind of chili disease that you have. Oh, he'll get inside you. He's got a way about him. He's intoxicating. Oh, hey, don't I know it? I love chili, man. I used to make chili all the time at the White House. You made chili at the I, White House? Oh, yeah. I tell them that I was having a big meeting with uh, all the heads of, st of my cabinet and not to bother me, but really, I'd just be cooking chili, man. Damn, that's sick as hell. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool being president. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Hey, maybe I'll run for president. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I'll vote for you, dude. Hey, you're all right, Clinton. Hey, you're all right, Jones. <laughs> all right, well, let's let Andy and Art have the show back. Oh, I God, guess. it's starting. <laughs> oh, no. All right, well, bye, Mr. Booker. Uh, weird that you didn't say anything. You just put me on the phone with Alex Jones, but okay. Uh, we'll talk later. Yeah, Mr. Booker, I'll talk to you later. I've gotten a lot of silent phone calls from you over the years. This is nothing new. Yeah, he bothers like me a lot. I like sitting there and listening to you breathe. <laughs> all right. Wow. Um, uh, okay. Well, <clears throat> I guess we learned nothing about the Bilderberg meetings. Yeah, we learned a lot about Bilderberg. That was a or really maybe a lot. I don't know. It's a really illuminating conversation. Jeez. Alex Jones has a lot of problems. He's got a lot of... I think there's a... I think there's either a lot of hallucination there or there's some serious, uh, like, waste being dumped into that pond. I, I mean... He he has magic sorcerers. He's got all sorts of weird animal creatures. I mean, this is yeah. uh this is not this is a very bizarre place. This is probably a well, fantasy land. It, I mean, it sounds like he might be running for president soon, so it looks like Kanye is going to have some competition. Kind of, yeah, this this 2020 cycle is going to be wild. <laughs> oh boy. Whew. You wanted to get off 2020's wild ride, but you can't do it. Listeners. <laughs> you can't escape. Um, Andy, should we get in. to verdicts, uh, or do we have more to discuss about Bilderberg? Um, I, uh, I'm I'm comfortable. If there's anything you want to bring up? I'm comfortable getting to a verdict. I'm Art, is there anything comfortable? I'm comfortable getting to a verdict. <laughs> uh, is there? <laughs> 
Is there anything more you want to discuss? I should ask you. No, I mean, I, I made all my points. I mean, I think it's just, you know, we, we can surmise a little bit more on our verdicts. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. We'll expand a little bit on what we're thinking. Uh, should I begin then? Go ahead, my good sir. All right. Um, so I guess the real, the real conspiracy that we're talking about <clears throat> here is, is Bilderberg a secret world government, a shadow world government, uh, controlling the strings of governments across the globe, uh, having these meetings, issuing orders that people take back and are forced to implement if they're attendees. Um, I think that's the real, the real like conspiracy here. And for that, uh, conspiracy. I'm saying plausible quark. Wow. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, I think that Bilderberg is really a much more mundane conspiracy. Um, okay. I think that Bilderberg is a lot of like what we, we talk about with other conspiracies that it's not... It's not this grandiose secret world government thing, right? Like that's not that's not what it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a secret meeting between people who control a lot of wealth and therefore control a lot of power. There's no real oversight into what happens at these meetings, and it's a lot of people. Um, you know, we talked about it. It's it's maybe not great for the places where they have these meetings. It's a drain on local resources. Taxpayers are footing the bill for this, yet taxpayers have no input in the meetings. Taxpayers have no way of knowing what's discussed at the meetings. Uh, and that's not even to say that these meetings are pretty exclusive in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you have to be distinguished in some certain way. So average people like us... Uh, are never going to get there. Um, you have average to, in socioeconomic status only. Yeah, yeah, we're we're below average in a lot of other ways. Um, <laughs> we're never going to get there. Um, most of the world is never going to get there. I mean, most of the most countries in the world don't aren't allowed to get there. I mean, Russia, China, India, uh, never going to have a seat at this table. That's a lot of people on this earth that don't even have a representative from their country at a meeting like this. So I think just in that sense to call it a world government, a shadow world government, there's no way that this could impact the whole world. uh, Unless you say that it's, it's by like design that they control the governments of the West, which then dictates what happens in the rest of the world. But that's kind of just like gambling, right? It's like throwing dice. Uh, there's no there's no real rhyme or or reason for how some other places might respond to that and the fluctuations could be wild based on who's in charge uh i think again it's a much more mundane conspiracy there's there's these meetings our governments are involved uh we don't know what they're discussing exactly we don't know the tenor of the conversations we know at a very high level the topics but we don't know any of the substance um our government officials are involved. Um, 
these are people that should operate uh, with with uh, transparency, in my opinion. I think that lobbying is is a bad system in a lot of ways because it's so prone to corruption. I think the way that you change it is you change the influence of money in the political system, and that affects lobbying. And I think that this Bilderberg thing is subject to all those same you know issues that regular lobbying is. So the conspiracy, there's a conspiracy, right? Uh, there's right. a conspiracy against most average people in this. Yeah, I'm sure that participants do get something out of it. I'm sure that they like attending. I'm sure it's like, oh, it's a chance to, you know, see people you might not always have a chance to interact with and hear from like really smart or capable or accomplished people about topics that are interesting to you. But if that's the case, I mean, wouldn't this information be beneficial to all people? Wouldn't it help everyone become as informed as these people? Why should they hoard this information? Mm. Uh, and I mean, information is maybe the greatest piece of capital that we have. Uh, and the secrecy around these meetings, uh, I don't see the point of it other than to protect the identities of the speakers. But I still think that you could make it anonymous. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think it would be it would be fine if uh, this information was made public. And I think it should be made public. So I'm going to give a double verdict on this. And I'm going to say I'm going to give a plausibility on this much more mundane conspiracy that this is a group of like very powerful people who are um, who are um, like withholding important information from people who don't have a seat at the table, who's ultimately the decisions they make impacts them. There's a conspiracy in that sense. And I'm giving that highly plausible. I mean, I'm leaving wow. the door open. I'm, I'm leaving the door open that you know maybe it is actually secret world government. I mean, I don't really wow. believe that, but I guess you know what? Let's change it. Secret world government case closed. That's not what it is. Uh, just more mundane conspiracy case confirmed. I'm going to picking. I'm just going to go for it. You know what? Uh, let there be light and uh, shine on this Ooh. verdict. And yeah, give the whole thing. Um, it's gonna it's gonna light up all your little nether regions one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let the light shine in where it's not supposed to. Um, so that's my that's my verdict, Art. I think this is wow. just. I think this. I think this is a conspiracy. Um, yeah, but I don't think that it's a. It's a real. It's not a real sinister conspiracy. It's a. Sure. It's an average everyday conspiracy where elites are cooperating uh, without oversight from people who are ultimately impacted by their decisions. And I think that it's time that the Bilderberg meetings made more information public. Wow. Let's reduce the influence of money in politics. Wow. Um, big, 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 big PP verdict here from Andy. <laughs> <laughs> PP standing for multiple things. Plausibility. PP. Um, uh, wow, wow, wow. Um, you know, Andy, uh, I don't know. I mean, so here's my verdict on like new world order kind of shadow sort of governmenty kind of thing. <sighs> I guess in it's like literal sense that they're like literally trying to form like a new singular 
I mean, I don't know. I guess in a way I'm almost talking myself out of my verdict here, but they're trying to like the, the origins of this group was lit literally to help direct like policy. It, it was like very like, Hey, how do we stop communism from happening in these places that we want it to go away from? You know, mm -hmm. like that was very much the origin of these things. And you have the CIA involvement. You have like, all these these countries that are like, what do we do about communism? What do we do about Asia? Um, what do we do about the influence of the Russians? You know, and, and and it's it's obviously very important to them that they they um kind of put a stop to that. So in a way, it's like I don't know what is a new world order besides that, where they say like, listen, we're deciding what's best for the world, and what's best for the world is that your countries can't have communism. Um, is that not a new world order? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not because maybe when we draft up ideas of new world order of the, of the uh, shadow government, it's like, you know, uh, the, the main character is sitting in a room and then all of a sudden all these um, faceless shadowy figures are seated at a large oval table and they're saying things like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like that's what we think of when we think of New World Order. Or we think of the scene from Eyes Wide Shut, uh, the Kubrick film, you know, where it literally is people wearing, um, uh, you know, those those masks and uh, having big orgies and being like, oh, we're the, you know, we're the fucking movers and shakers. Like, we're the most powerful people in the world. We could do whatever we want. It's a sex cult. Um you know, I don't know. Is it that? No, it's not that. But I do believe it's nefarious. I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's a nefarious thing that is not. I don't, I don't, I buy into the optimism of it that they're all just there to learn and speak openly. Um. So I'm, I'm conflicted on what to say. I suppose. I guess in the literal sense. I'll say plausible smidge that it's a new world ordery shadowy government. Um but in a loose sense <laughs> like it kind of is like a like a one world thing like they want to control other countries. Like that's why they're talking about other countries. It's like it's like all the popular kids are getting together and being like what are we going to do about the fucking AV club nerds. <laughs> like, what are we? What are we gonna do about the growing number of goth kids that are uh, suddenly infiltrating the football team? You know, uh, we can't have goth kids on the football team. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that. It, and so, I guess I don't know. On the other end of the spectrum, is it sort of a nefarious? I don't know. Is this what Brian Dunning is kind of saying where he's like, they are what we think they are. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is what they are and this is what they do constantly, you know? Yeah. So in a sense, I guess highly plausible that it is some kind of loosely based new world order, nefarious, um, mundane thing. Kind of like you said, does that make sense? Yeah. It's very much rambling, but I, I do believe that there is probably more going on there than just the exchange of information. 
The exchange of information is held private. We honestly, there's nothing holding them accountable. Right. There's there's nothing that's saying that like the things that they publish are actually true. I mean, you could say that about anything, but but like is I don't know is if anyone goes to those meetings and then they're like, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't uh, what we fucking talked about. You know, I don't know. It, it, do they have some kind of dirt on them? Do they have some kind of stuff about them? Like the fact that like Tony Blair and Bill Clinton went there when they were just low level nobodies and all of a sudden the next year they're like these high ranking people. It's kind of like, mm, I don't I mean, were they grooming people that they wanted to have like ready to go who would be able to influence things like maybe that seems like a pretty politically savvy move that probably happens otherwise. I mean, you know, people get groomed all the time to be the next fucking party member of the two major parties of the, uh, of uh, the USA, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that these people are like quintessential insiders when it comes to, uh, the, their respective countries' governments and political landscapes. So I think I think what Dennis Healy's saying makes a lot of sense. That they're they're targeting up and coming politicians. They see people with potential and they bring them to these meetings, and it has an impact on their political careers. I mean it it gets back to what uh you know what I think we're both saying here is that there's an influence there that would otherwise not exist. Uh, or the politicians would have to go about a different way to get this support from these from these people um, and go through other channels to do it. And maybe other channels that are more public and uh, well documented. So there's this. Whether or not there's anything really sinister here, it seems pretty clear that there is more than just a free exchange of ideas, you know, and it, and it only makes sense that that's what would happen. Right. Like you go to this meeting, let's say you meet Bill Clinton. You're like, this guy, I like his ideas and it fits with what my personal views are. I'm going to support this candidate. Well, you know, in our system, if you have a lot of money, you have a lot of power to support a candidate like Bill Clinton. And, you know, sometimes money can make all the difference in in an election cycle. You know, if you're able to. Uh, well, especially back then. Yeah, if you're able to be more places and be on more people's minds and you have a good platform that resonates with people, like it's I mean, you you will have a chance to to make it. Uh and you know, who knows what if Bilderberg thought like, hey, well, George H. W. Bush's time is over. It's time Yeah, to- or or maybe on a more um pessimistic level, Clinton shows up and, and a lot of these these Heads of uh, the movers and sh- I know I keep using that fucking phrase. I can't think of another phrase to use. Movers and shakers, like they're not shaking, <laughs> like they're all, they don't all have fucking like massive tremors and stuff, like or they're like dancing constantly. You all know? of the meetings are held in active earthquake zones, so <laughs> yeah. everybody there is shaking. Um, they're like, oh shit, like this guy will fucking uh, this guy will come play. He'll fucking listen to the uh, he'll he'll like. He'll let us slip in a little fucking like uh, oil pipeline thingy into his uh, environmental bill, and uh, right, uh, he'll let us fucking rock and roll. Let's support this guy. We can we can get in this guy's pocket, like right. Um, yeah, it, it kind they're... of like introduces him to the like you said to the world of 
these elites go like jumping from fucking governor of Arkansas up to nomination for the president of the United States of America and then becoming the president. That is a huge leap. And it's like being introduced to all these leaders of their various companies and whatnot is going to, um, they want to know that you can be an influential guy. Yeah. And these, these meetings probably have long tails too. I mean, Bill Clinton goes to that meeting in 1991 he probably makes connections with people that last right for a long time uh in his life probably throughout his presidency um Tony Blair Oh hey you know when when the government needs a contractor to do x y and z you know don't forget <laughs> yeah and you know Tony I sat Blair, next to you at the Bilderberg meeting and I gave you my fucking lemon tart <laughs> <laughs> oh hi man, that lemon tart fucking ruled. Yeah, you can build. Bill, Bill you're back. One. Oh shit. How the fuck did I get here? Uh yeah, I think you should go to bed. Oh shit. Okay, good night. Good good night, Mr. Clinton. Um <laughs> with Tony Blair, I think w- something that's interesting. Hello. Uh, <laughs> hey, Tony Blair's here. <laughs> oh goodness, just flew in on me massive ears. Hi, did he die? Did he die? Uh, thanks for being here, Tony. Um, the uh, Tony Blair went in 1993. When Tony Blair was a young MP in the late 70s, um, he he professed some pretty uh, liberal views, uh, but he was known really as a prime minister for being pretty centrist in a lot of his yeah. procedures. I mean maybe even more conservative in the labor party. Does Bilderberg influence have anything to do with that? Because Bilderberg was more in favor of centrist type policy rather than full on left wing policy. It's a fair question to ask. I think probably there's some, there's some, there's some reason to suspect that, you know, and without knowing the contents of any of the meetings or, you know, what the true connection was for someone like Tony Blair, you can only speculate. And I have to just speculate that, yeah, it probably, it probably had an impact on it. Well, we hope our verdicts had an impact on you bunk funkers. And, um, those were them. So, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, use the hashtag. I think it's gotta be like build a burger, right? Yeah, build a burger, B I L D A B U R G E R, build a burger, B U R G E R. Yeah, burger. Yeah. Uh, what did and, I say? Uh, Booger. B-U-E- no, that's what you said. I just zoned out and forgot what you said. Oh, okay. And then repeated it back to you so gotcha, I could gotcha, know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and let us know what you think about this topic. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail dot com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. Um, look us up on YouTube, Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. And let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Um, Art, that was a great uh, discussion, great verdicts. Um, you Are you ready to have a little fun? Oh, I love having fun. <laughs> I know you do. I love getting into trouble. Getting into trouble. And I love that I remembered to do this. Um <laughs> Art, uh I got a little I got a little uh, you know, uh a thought experiment here for you, I guess. Um Okay. So let's say you, Art, uh, are starting a a secret organization. 
Oh, starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretend your cult doesn't exist. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a new starting fresh here. Um, you're starting a secret organization. Uh, what do you call yourselves? What is your group's purpose? And who do you invite to join? I got three questions for you. Well, Andy, I'm sorry to say that you can never be a part of my uh, my group. Oh. I'm going to say that right off the bat, just to let you know. Why? Is it because I smell? <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the reasons, but it's not the primary reason. Oh. Okay. Um, it is, It's because the group that I'm starting is called the League of Arts. Oh. What? Yeah, baby. The League of Arts. We are a group centered on art specific uh uh stuff. The only people who could join are people named Art or some name derived from Arthur. So Arturos, Arties, you get the picture. Okay. Our goal is to present content relative to the various people named Arthur. Um, relevant, some examples relevant content for Arthur relevant content okay so for example here's some topics from our meeting last year okay um, wherefore art thou Romeo finding love in the digital age <laughs> it's Arthur not author I've never written a book why calling me by that name is rude and should be a crime punishable <laughs> by, by death yeah I can tell that you made this agenda I did hey listen you know what? Listen, Andy. Listen to the whole agenda and see, you know? <laughs> the art okay. of art, art appreciating art pieces by art artists. Wait, um, wait, another wait. One. Say that again? The art of art, art appreciating art pieces by art artists. <laughs> okay. Art therapy, you all should really go. Um, the sword and the stone navigating your pathetic accomplishments when you're named after one of the world's most recognized folklore heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this, this was a really great presentation. And I said, I ain't no aardvark. He replied, sir, this is a Wendy's navigating the trauma of having a children's program with your name. That was a good one. Uh, here was a great one. <laughs> a lot this of, was a lot of healthy discussion in that. A lot of healthy discussion on that one. This one, though, this one got really hot. This is What the West Can Do About Iran, presented by Artie Lang. <laughs> oh, man. I would have loved I would have loved to have been in on that one, but uh, I guess I'll never out. know. Um, the ethics of artificial intelligence. <laughs> is it, like, artificial or is it, like, art-official? Art-official. Okay, okay. Like uh, this is about uh, creating AI a, about art. Yeah, a series of um, uh, AI, um, I guess, programs um, that all identify as art or Arthur's or some kind of name, and um, you know, have that uh, within them. Oh God! And I then, hope we don't have um, some kind of Skynet with those things. Yikes! Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of awkward conversations. They're gonna make you wish they were Terminators. Yeah, some some nude robot is going to come back in time and then be super embarrassed about its nudity. It's going to be it's going to be real nude and then talked way too close to you for way too long about 
why it thinks of Game of Thrones seasons five <laughs> through eight were the real downfall. <laughs> this it has no other agenda than Witcher hot takes. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then the final topic last year was LinkedIn is still cool and relevant. Uh, we invite the CEO <laughs> yeah, of LinkedIn. I was going to say. <laughs> we invite the CEO of LinkedIn to ours, even though his name isn't Arthur. So, you know, he gets invited. He's just such a cool guy. Yeah. How could you not have him? I mean, I didn't get invited, but that's cool. Well, Andy, I'm sorry. You know, it's just, you just didn't make the cut. There's kind of the first thing we look at when we're looking at invitees is, is their name Arthur? Yeah. I mean. And we looked at you and we said, I'm not seeing that. His name's Andy. Yeah, well. They're not the same. What about the CEO of LinkedIn? But he's the CEO of LinkedIn. I'm. Uh, yeah, well, I'm the freaking. Andy, when an opportunity like having the CEO of LinkedIn at your conference comes up, you don't deny it. That's like, that's like if the opportunity to have prime Tom Brady on your fantasy team in football you don't not take that opportunity, Andy. Well, I'm the CEO of Links in this sausage <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> a sausage restaurant slash hotel. Yeah. Links in is like your spinoff of Red Roof Inn. Yeah, you thought the- Red Roof Inn boring. What make it more sausage themed? <laughs> yeah, every room is dedicated to a sausage. I'm pretty sure the pool there is actually just sausage grease. Yeah, it is. It's mostly sausage fat. Uh, yeah. The Knockworth room is lovely, though. <laughs> oh God! Well, Andy, did you uh, did you happen to make a uh, a secret convention or no? Oh heavens, no! Oh, okay, I you would never dare. have a secret convention. I mean, I'm already filing a lawsuit against uh, the. Uh, you don't even know the name. I don't have to learn it. I'm not allowed to be a member. <laughs> The League of Arts. The League of Arts, that's right. The League of Arts Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. I like that. That's a solid one. We might get t-shirts with that on it. <laughs> with Sean Connery's face and underneath he's saying, Me. I'm Arthur. <laughs> uh, Artie Lang is there. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke. All the greats. Arthur I'm Lee pretty Allen. sure there's a tennis player, Art Asner, right? Uh, you thinking about the actor, Ed Asner? Oh, no. I don't know. Um, yeah, Arthur, King Arthur, um, King Arthur Flower, Bag of Flower gets invited. <laughs> they they help. They definitely help cover the cost. They send us a few representatives. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um. Plenty of flour in the gift bag when you leave the convention. <laughs> plenty, plenty. In fact, of, it's mostly a bag of flour. Plenty of loose flour. <laughs> Not in its own bag, just loose with all of the trinkets. <clears throat> oh boy. Well, Andy, um, I think just that about loose, wraps it up. A loose bag of flour with a bunch of shampoos stolen from the sausage inn. <laughs> I know what well, you've been hey, up listen. to. Listen. Maybe we can stay at the Sausage Inn next year. We'll stay at a Sausage Inn. Okay, thank you. Normally, they've been putting us up at the Ramada, but we'll stay at a Sausage. I'll drop my lawsuit if you stay at the Sausage Inn, if you bring the League of Arts to the Sausage Inn. Well, see, just like Alex Jones and Bill Clinton were able to make peace on the show, Mm -hmm. so too were Andy and I. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? I'll even give you my, uh, I'll even let you stay in the presidential suite, the jalapeno cheddar smoked sausage room. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ooh, that room is spicy. A lot chunky. of spicy stuff has gone yeah, down it's there. Very spicy and creamy. Yeah. Well, Andy, I think that about wraps it up for our Bilderberg meeting, don't you think? I, I think, think so we've, too. We've meeting built some adjourned. fine burgers. Yeah. <laughs> we've figured out the way to build a better burger. Ah, uh, yes. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my stentorian. Oh, because I need stents in my heart. Yeah. To keep my arteries uh, from closing. My stentorian co-host, Andy Hart. I'm League of Arts CEO and commissioner. Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Jelly. <laughs> Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.